I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and Kyle uh, take turns introducing each other to movies. Uh, And in this way, we catch up on our cinema. Uh, So it is the month of June, and uh, we've been doing a special event month here on the show that we've been calling uh, Appreciating Peter Weller. Uh, if you don't know who that is, uh, Peter Weller is uh, primarily like a science fiction slash like horror slash drama actor. Um, he was a leading man in like the 80s and 90s. Uh, he's not so much of a household name these days, but uh, I've always kind of had like a special appreciation for him as an actor. Um, hard to put my finger on exactly what it is I like about him, but he was fucking Robocop. And for me personally, that counts for a lot. <laughs> um, so that being said, uh, we've been spending the entire month of June taking a look at uh, films that he headlined um, and the entirety of his filmography. So we've been kind of like bouncing around from year to year. Uh, And today uh, we're going to be going almost to the beginning of his filmography. Um, And we're going to be taking a look at the film Of Unknown Origin from 1983, directed by George P. Cosmatos. (laughs) Um, uh, So this was a movie that... um, I'll just share a little story. Uh, Kyle and I tried to find online. Um, we tried to find a means of watching it because right off the bat, I was like, oh, I, I, that's that rat movie. Of course I want to watch that. <laughs> um, but we couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, we couldn't find it for streaming, nor could I find it via unconventional means. Uh, so I ended up picking up a, a Scream Factory disc or a Shout Factory disc. I'm not sure. Um, and then I shared that with Kyle. So we, we did, in fact, get to take a look at this one. So, um, Kyle, I, I, what are your feelings on, on uh, of Unknown Origin at the moment? Well, I'd say that this one is probably the second best Peter Weller film we've covered this month. Uh, it goes Robocop, this one, Screamers, and then Buckaroo Banzai at the bottom. Uh. <laughs> it's funny because, like, based on each of those films' respective reputations i would not have expected it to go down that way uh, right i think i think you and i were both very excited to take a look at bu- the adventures of buckaroo bonsai across mm-hmm. the eighth dimension let's do things properly <laughs> um, but um yeah that was unfortunately kind of a letdown yeah big bummer. it just it just wasn't what i wanted it to be i mean parts of it were charming but too much of it was frustrating and just ill-conceived um but damn that cast is stacked yeah it's a stacked cast and i I wish they had more to do unfortunately i had more fun with screamers and i think i had more fun talking about screamers uh than anything with buckaroo bonsai like it was it was just hard to even pay attention to that movie i broke it up into chunks too (laughs) (laughs) well i mean screamers you you at least got those matte paintings to take in and just some nice images and you know decent soundtrack and you and you fucking robots in the ground trying to slice people up you know some 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 fun some good visceral fun in there but uh, this one was a movie that uh, this was a mutual catching up so just like uh, Buckaroo Bonsai neither Kyle nor I had actually seen the movie uh, coming in and this was the case with Of Unknown Origin as well um, but this is one that I've known also by reputation um, again as that rat movie mm-hmm. <laughs> that's often how it's referred uh, to by like critics and, and the like because really like this and Mouse Hunt, as far as I know, are maybe the only two movies that that can fit that description. The, um, oh, there's a movie with uh, Andy Serkis 
it's a UK film. Uh, like I think it's supposed to be like World War One or World War Two. Uh, like stuck in the tr- I think it's World War One. They're like stuck in the trenches and rats are like eating them all up and stuff like that. I can't remember what it's not. Come and see. It's something different. But I found that the movie right around that time. That's the one that I think you you suggested we put it on the episode list and then you bailed. Yeah. Like you you retracted it. You said this is not good. <laughs> like I, like s- I don't want to revisit that. <laughs> no, no. I started to watch it and I was just like I don't like the way this is going. Like. I'm not. I wasn't in the right frame of mind to watch it. I'm like, let's let's pull back on this one for now. I'm, we might come back to that. But yeah, I I had an idea for it, but I pulled back on it. Maybe one day, but I can't remember what it was called though. Uh, but that I, is very much a rap movie. <laughs> yeah, I just remember you you had put it on the list of like, yeah, like maybe we should like take a look at this someday. And then you very quickly retract it. It's called Death Watch, I believe. Death Watch. There we go. Um, it could be good though. Um, the cover makes me think a little bit of Dog Soldiers almost, yeah, but it it's does. it's probably not like that. Like Dog Soldiers is borderline silly at times. Um, but I mean, th- there are rat movies in in cinema. It's like there are plenty of rat movies. Like there's you know the Willards and the Bens, um, and then Food of the Gods where you have giant rats and whatnot. Mm. And um, but specifically like man versus rat movies, I think are probably a rarity. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I love Mouse Hunt. Like I, I watched that movie way too much when I was younger. The Nathan Lane Mouse Hunt movie? Yeah. I saw it one time in the theater. I never watched it again. See, I never saw it in the theater, but I think we rented it when I was like 12 or 13, probably when it first came to video, and I really loved it, and I just kept watching it for a, a stretch of time. Um, it's a Gore Verbinski movie, which explains mm. why that house is so fucking beautiful and the factory is so intricately detailed and um even like the i don't know the slapstick comedy aspect of it you can kind of see that in like the pirates films and rango where it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of body language humor and stuff and the soundtrack is fantastic as well but um of unknown origin however <laughs> is is a is a much grungier more low budget affair mm-hmm. um but as as a, i had said up up top uh Directed by George P. Cosmatos, uh, who is a director that is known to both you and I. Um, I'll just yeah. run through his filmography because it's actually fairly short. But um, <laughs> the, the ones that are uh, known to you and I are uh, Rambo First Blood Part 2. I don't know if you've seen that. No. You said you haven't seen the Stallone movie. So. I have never watched, aside from Cliffhanger, I haven't seen any other Stallone movie front to back. Oh, we got to train you up, man. <laughs> oh, Kyle made a face. <laughs> he made a he made a stinky poo face. I don't know. I feel like like Arnold was like Coca-Cola and then Sylvester Stallone was like off-brand, like Shasta or something. Now, see, that that might be a philosophical difference between you and I, Kyle. Um like and, and hear me out here. Um because when you think of when you think of uh like brand brand names or mm-hmm. like like the best of the best type type mindset i guess you're you're absolutely right when it comes to uh, the 1980s action hero subgenre Ar- arnold is the coca-cola mm-hmm. like, he he is the top brand like why would you go with pepsi when coke's right there mm-hmm. why would you go with mr pib when coke's right there um and yes yeah, so- sylvester stallone did play second fiddle to him for the most part but in my mind it's not that he's objectively worse, it's that he's different. Mm-hmm. And yes, you could argue that one is objectively better than the other, <laughs> but um, 
for me, like, especially like taking a look at genre films and stuff, I kind of like that. Like, I like watching, I actually get derived enjoyment from watching things that I know aren't that great. But it's just, you know, taking familiar material and trying something different or just, you know, just different. Um, so for me, it's like, I don't know, it, it doesn't bother me very much at all to, to watch something that's very familiar just with, you know, a different different angle to it or a different approach. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. That's some some people are, are quick to shut things down where it's like, well, why why wouldn't I always wear Nike from head to toe, or why wouldn't I be Adidas guy? Yeah. <laughs> it's like people just do things because they get paid. It's <laughs> just really sad. Um, but uh, back to George P. Cosmato. So he directed Rambo: First Blood Part Two, which uh, Sylvester Stallone will always be quick to tell you is the one that made all the money. Because um, Rambo Three apparently did not do very well. It doesn't help that it took place in Afghanistan in a very strange period in american history <laughs> um uh and also he directed cobra um also starring sylvester stallone and a uh, local hero brian thompson <laughs> uh cobra is a historically troubled production and keep that in mind um he also directed leviathan a couple years later which you and i thought about doing for the show and then kind of retracted because yeah. there's just not enough there aside from the stan winston effects and maybe maybe the cast like daniel stern is it's just a novelty gross. that he's yeah. there yeah he's gross in it. yeah he's almost as sweaty as he is in what chud, chud. yeah chud yeah. Is disgusting <laughs> yeah kyle has a good uh, back of the box description for chud i think it's just daniel stern is sweaty basically yeah daniel stern is sweating <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's whole, the entire movie that's the whole movie Oh, yeah, and a monster stretches its neck for no reason at one point, just so it, it's easier for us to cut it off. Yeah. <laughs> and then following that, he also directed Tombstone, um, which Kyle's not a big fan of. Nope. Um, uh, you and I both have a weird relationship with Westerns. Um, I know you're not a big fan. Um, I want to be a fan, but I need a roadmap in order to... To to find the, my my way through that particular subgenre, I have genre, I f- rather. I feel like we should probably just do a spaghetti western month. I feel like that'd be the best way to dip our toes into it because I cannot suffer all that crap that my grandpa or my grandpa would watch on TV. Like I would sit there and just like it's the same thing every time, the same thing. I'm like I can't, I cannot, I cannot do it. But like I do want to see Once Upon a Time in the West. Uh, I've seen a clip from that movie. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I like the editing in this. Uh, I think it'd be a good jumping off point. But I looked at the, I forgot about the director, and I looked at the movies he directed, and I'm like, hmm, I'm a little concerned. Uh, <laughs> because I'm like, I recognize a couple of these movies, and I have opinions on those movies, and they're not great opinions. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, uh, I, I, I get what you mean. Because... Um, the reason I said put a pin in Cobra is uh, Cobra was a historically troubled production. Um, Stallone in this particular era was awful to work with, apparently. I, I have a theory that he has ghost-directed at least portions of virtually every movie he's he's done during his heyday anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, pretty sure he didn't have James Gunn's ear. But, uh, no. <laughs> um, but in the 80s and 90s, I want to say he found a way to worm his way into the editing room on every production because there's so many weird quirks in his movies. It's like, yeah, that came from someone that wasn't the director. That came from the star. 
Um, and Cobra reeks of that. Like everybody points to the, the pizza scissors as mm-hmm. like, and and the particular type of car that he drives, and the fact that Brigitte Nielsen, that big blonde, his his wife at the time, is mm-hmm. in it. It's like it's tailor made for him, and yet it's a complete and total mess. And also, it was butchered in the editing room, uh, such that there's like a hard harder R rated version of it that's apparently much better and more coherent. More hmm. importantly, that do- has never been released and likely never will be. Um, so that's very disappointing. But yeah. Leviathan, as far as I understand, was also troubled. And yeah. Tombstone was a fucking mess. Um, apparently, the writer uh, was originally assigned as the director, um, and he was yanked uh, from he was yanked from the director's chair. Uh, and the studio brought Mr. Cosmatos in to fucking write the ship because uh, I guess the writer was uh, taking too long with he was overly indulgent i guess with the script where it's like he, he's a writer he wants yeah. his he wants his script to breathe on screen and it was putting them way behind schedule and nobody really knew what the fuck was going on so they brought this guy in to fucking fix it <laughs> and it's still not it's still not exactly fixed it's, but it's at least a movie <laughs> it's still pretty stupid but it is a movie it has tombstone has the worst structure like for a film like Johnny Ringo gets gets shot. Oh, spoiler alert. Johnny Ringo gets shot in the fucking face. Yeah. And then we have like two minutes of extra montage, like another another montage of action following that. It's like that that was the climax. Why is there more? <laughs> and then we have the weird like uh we have Kurt Russell cheating on his wife as the romance plot. <laughs> it's like what the fuck is this? Oh, and that's one of those things like, oh, Billy Zane's in here. What? Billy the Greek guy is in the Western, yeah, just out well, of directed by a Greek man. Maybe mm. he was doing the the Xanatos family of, of favor, <laughs> William Xanatos. It was a great time for Billy Zane. Like that was the time you wanted to see Billy Zane, but we didn't need the Billy Zane. Uh, oh, back those to eyebrows, St- man. <laughs> back to Stallone uh, doing Guardians. I think James Gunn was kind of like Alice Cooper presenting his hand in Wayne's World. Like, do you want to be in this movie, Stallone? Go ahead, just kiss the glove go ahead (laughs) (laughs) uh i mean that's funny but at the same time i want to say that he was probably giddy as a schoolboy to have both both tango and cash in his yeah i would have just played it like not giving a fuck like i mean yeah we've got a par for you if you want to if you want to read for it yeah you know i think it'd be good but secretly he's just <laughs> I mean, that's probably what what all the producers were telling him. It's like, okay, James, like Play we're cool. gonna be going into the casting room today. We need you to keep your shit under control. <laughs> like you don't even care. Just act like you don't even care. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he feeds on that. He has to prove something after that. Yeah, it's like he has a really fragile ego. Don't you remember yeah. Copland? <laughs> fragile ego. <laughs> just oh, just like if you want to get his price down, just tell me he looks fat. Don't call, <laughs> like... him, don't call him short. He hates that. <laughs> It's like, hey, Sly, you look like you packed on a few pounds there. <laughs> oh, <fun>. God. <laughs> well, I mean, that was the thing, too. I never realized until I was an adult. I'm like, oh, Sylvester Stallone is short? And I'm like, yeah. Like, I'm like, I thought he was a monster. Like, no, no, he's he's like 5'5", five five, I think. No, he's not that <laughs> He's short. not that short, but, like, Arnold's like 6'2", I think. So, uh, I mean, he's like uh, Arnold's foot. spine has probably been compacted a bit, so he's probably a little shorter <laughs> than like he's probably like six one, six foot even. But uh, Stallone's probably like five seven and a half, five eight. 
he and Jason Statham are probably eye to eye. I forget um, how short he is. Too. Arnold's six two. Okay, um, but yeah, Jason Statham's also not a very big guy. Um, I, I've actually had that confirmed because um, I know somebody who met him at an airport and was like, "Holy fuck, that guy's <laughs> <laughs> that guy's not very big at all." <laughs> But, you know, when it comes to stuff like that, Jason Statham in particular, it's like, you know, guys that move like that generally are of a certain proportion. Like, you can't be a fucking monster and do the kind of stuff that Jason Statham did in his heyday. So, uh, last thing before we uh, get to talking about the movie in proper, uh, I'll just throw it out there that uh, Mr. George P. Cosmatos is no longer with us. Uh, he, he died, what, 2005? Uh, and uh, not only that, though, uh, his son is a very talented director as far as i can tell um we've actually covered one of his films on the show that would be mandy oh uh, yes uh, his son panos cosmatos uh, he's only directed two movies as far as i know beyond the black rainbow being the first one um and actually i think we both put that on the list of future watches just Probably. So- solely on the strength of mandy of mandy because yeah. i was i was very impressed with that film in fact I, I would very much like to revisit it i would like to revisit it yeah yeah, um, so the legacy of Mr. Cosmatos lives on. Um, maybe maybe we'll get a Billy Zane uh, <laughs> cameo in Mr. Uh, Panos Cosmatos' next film, um, being as, as far as I understand, Panos actually worked on the set of Tombstone, mm-hmm. uh, so, so he would have met Mr. Mr. Xanatos. I like calling him Xanatos. <laughs> it just makes me happy. <laughs> it's, like, it's not Billy Zane, it's William Xanatos. <laughs> um, so that being said... Uh, the movie that we're covering today, like I said, is Of Unknown Origin from 1983, uh, starring Mr. Peter Weller, who we really haven't been talking about that much, so we should probably give him some exposure. Uh, uh, so yeah, the movie opens on an exterior of a house uh, at night, and we get credits falling over it, um, and then uh, we get a very, very dramatic uh, title reveal where the title like falls into the frame along with like rat squeaking noises and stuff um so it's like oh it's gonna be that kind of movie <laughs> i actually thought this was gonna be more like the gate i thought the like little little critters the little alien critters were gonna be around the house um yeah i see uh something that kyle does that i think i'd like to start doing when uh we get back to kyle picking the movies <laughs> which it's been a while so um i Something that Kyle does uh, when I pick the movie uh, is he he looks up trailers for the movie to get like a first impression, and I kind of like that. I think that's a fun way to introduce yourself to a movie. Um, this is yeah. a good period to do that because a lot of times the trailers were not really indicative of what was going to happen in the movie. Yeah, earlier trailers like from the like the fifties, like B movies and stuff, would show you the whole movie. Um, but then you get further down the line towards like the eighties and nineties, especially. They don't show you shit, Mm-mm. like kind of like uh, Godzilla '98 marketing, where it's like they hid that they hid that motherfucker because they knew what they had, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was not great. <laughs> so you do not see a single shot of Godzilla's face in any of the marketing for that entire movie. But this one, the trailer, yeah, it's like the last shot of the trailer, as far as I remember, is uh, exterior of the house at night, and then like the the windows blow out with light, and there's like screeching noises. So it does come across as like a supernatural thing. Um, and even the title in the movie kind of is, I, I feel like it's kind of tricking you a little bit because mm-hmm. it doesn't tell you what, what the, what is of unknown origin. Like obviously there's something at work. Um, 
but you could even maybe infer that like maybe it's entirely a psychological drama um but yeah they're very clever with the marketing where it's like oh we're not even gonna hint at the fact that it's just a fucking rat (laughs) (laughs) because that sounds lame on paper (laughs) um but yeah we get credits and uh immediately we get a lady bathing um yeah (laughs) Uh, i was saying i like the i like the little opening uh score here i like the opening music it was kind of fun um kind of bouncy kind of ominous kind of reminded me of the beginning of uh reanimator um which by the way the reanimator uh intro is almost 100 percent the psycho opening <laughs> um, oh yeah um i i want to say that maybe a legal action was threatened um <laughs> i don't know if it actually was carried out but i'm pretty sure it was threatened it's my alarm i still have the reanimator uh opening as my alarm um, well, they add that they add that like extra drum beat in there that actually makes it kind of like poppy so yeah uh what's this actress's name this was her debut and debut oh i have no idea you'd have to tell me uh, she's uh, in very little of the movie, but yeah, um, Shannon Tweed. I would say the name definitely. Uh, I'm like Shannon Tweed. That sounds so familiar. Um, yeah, I think she is scantily clad in this movie for almost no reason, because <laughs> yeah, we have her uh, nude in this up against. But just a quick little boob shot, just a quick one. Um, and then we have her in a bathing suit later. I'm like, she's barely in this movie, and like the two scenes I remember her, she's pretty much naked. Well, as far as I understand, just taking a glance at her filmography, that's mostly what her roles consisted of. She's just like eye candy lady. She was like a pre Jenny McCarthy. Like, no, no, no. She's just going to kind of be there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically. But, yeah. Um, this this character uh, is uh, Meg, uh, Peter Weller's wife. Uh, Bart Bart is Peter Weller's name in this. Mm-hmm. Kind of a strange name. Yeah. It needs to be uh, said up front, uh, this movie is actually based on a novel. Um, so some of the quirks in the script may have come from the fact that it was originally intended to be a book. Um, but yeah, it's Bart and Meg. <laughs> so she's bathing, and uh, we get Peter Weller humming while he's getting dressed and stuff. Uh He's pretty horny. She is too. Mm-hmm. Um, we we have some smooching on the bed and stuff. Meanwhile, his fucking kid is making a mess in the kitchen. You mean Danny Torrance? This kid <laughs> looks exactly like fucking Danny Torrance from the. Shining. He's got the fucking haircut. <laughs> he has the same clothes on. For Christ's sake! I think it. it I think it's intentional. It feels like a nod. Uh, Shining came out in eighty, and this is eighty three. I'm like, it's too soon for a nod. I, I kind of get what you're doing here. And also, the outside of the house kind of reminded me of Rosemary's Baby as well. I mean, it's a much smaller place than Rosemary's Baby, uh, but it still kind of reminded me of that. Well, I mean, Mr. Cosmatos, as far as I understand, isn't... He's he's known for having good uh, production design and whatnot, but as far as I know, he's not beyond like paying homage or like straight up ripping off other shit, including himself at times. <laughs> like, and and I mean, if you look at Leviathan, so much of the production design mm-hmm. and, and even the structure of that movie is is Alien. Um, n- not that there's anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Like, like going back to the Arnold and Sylvester Coke and Pepsi analogy, it's like I actually don't have that much of a problem with it. Um, 
but it's there. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like it's very blatant, and you can't argue that. <laughs> this was like this was when we actually had theatrical releases of the films that are rip off of films already. Now it's just like straight to Amazon Prime. Like you've seen the things. It's like there's like five movies of see no evil kind of thing. It's that same cover, but it's like that. It's just like five different movies with the same thing. It never got a theatrical release. This is something that like oh yeah, I got a theatrical release, and it's just a rip off of something else kind of deal. <laughs> actually, the pace, like the editing, was it the same? editor because there are moments in leviathan when we're like strictly dealing with the monster that felt a lot like this film i i would not be surprised i mean it's pretty common for directors to have preferred cinematographers or editors that they work with um sometimes career-long relationships and i'm trying to think of my greek accent uh you need to speed it up speed up the editing it needs to go faster (laughs) (laughs) you need to make sure the monster is not on screen very much no because it looks like it looks like shit (laughs) you look like shit not one second split second (laughs) stan why you give me shit monster (laughs) shit shit water monster shit stan (laughs) seriously stan winston made a remarkable monster creature and the editor was like on a hair trigger like every frame they have of that thing he's like nope that's it. That's all you get. <laughs> it's like, like goddamn. Yeah. Stan, Stan's probably just like hovering over his shoulder, tearing his hair out. Coming like, come on, man. Like, he one hundred. He did Leviathan and he did Tombstone. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get what you mean. Uh, it has a very. Uh, there's a lot of weird jumps in there where it's like, whoa, is something missing? Like the action doesn't have a very good flow to it. Mm-hmm. Um. Tombstone's such a weird fucking movie. It is so weird. <laughs> I I enjoy it, but it's it's trash. It's like, it is it's high it's expensive high class trash, but it is trash. <laughs> it's the performances. It's one hundred percent the performances. That's what does it for me. I'm like, this is just corny. Uh, yeah, it, it's so over the top. Back to little. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, back to little um, Danny. Danny. Tiny boy. Uh, there is a serial massacre downstairs. Uh, and you and I talked about this before we got going. We're like, yeah, this is not how my family would have handled it. This is a this is a nice, loving parent, like family unit. Um, you mentioned off air, like, we're not entirely sure what the relationship is with um the wife, like what what what's what it's like with the spouse. There does seem to be maybe some um uh some things not being said by her. She does seem a little frustrated. It's very subtle. And uh, she's just kind of like, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I'm just kind of going through the motions with him. She doesn't seem unhappy, but you can tell she's got something on her mind. Um, but his relationship with the kid is really great. Like, they've got a, a nice little dynamic. Yeah, we saw that a little bit in uh, Screamers. Where mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about Peter Weller, but I feel like he maybe has good rapport with kids on film or something. Because in Screamers, when they meet the little boy, I hate that little that little snot nose. Oh, I hate boy. every kid that's been in a movie with him. <laughs> yeah, th- that little kid was terrible in Screamers. But Peter Weller's interactions with him were actually... It's like one of the few times he's legitimately warm in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and same here. Like, just he has a couple ex- exchanges with little Danny Torrance, and it's like, oh man, like yeah. Yeah, that's a good. That's he seems like a decent dad. He's a good <laughs> like, dad. He's like, I love yeah. you, buddy. He gives him a kiss. He's like, do I get a kiss? I love you, buddy. Great, yeah, great dad. It, it's great. like, yeah. Every, every interaction he has with this kid, it's like, wow, that's sweet. <laughs> but um, yeah, this this kid, he's doing the thing that I don't. I don't know if they still do this with cereals. It's been a long time since I've had a bowl of cereal. The but prize, I don't think we're allowed to do that anymore. 
choking hazard or marketing environmental I, concerns i think it might have to do with like marketing to kids i think that that was one of the things i'm like yeah you already have enough marketing with the bright colors and everything maybe don't put toys in there but yeah choking hazard would probably be another one see i was a reagan baby so mm. marketing to kids was where it was at <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like you want to know why hollywood is as fucked up as it is today it's because of kids like me <laughs> you don't know anything about drugs huh well we're gonna tell you all about them so that when you come in contact with them you'll know what's happening actually what you just did was you educated us on drug use <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm gonna get Garfield and all his friends to tell you about crack cocaine. <laughs> this is crack cocaine. Now you can smoke it with in a just a glass pipe and a really hot lighter. Now don't do that. <laughs> I remember there was one of those dare like one of those commercials where there's two kids sitting on a bench and they're kids and they're going through the capitals of all the states and one of them says Illinois and he's just like. And this dude with, like, the, not quite a bowl cut, but, like, the leather jacket and, like, the long floppy hair that you can, like, kind of brush over. The John Connor hair? Yeah. He's got the John Connor hair. He comes up and he goes, Springfield. And uh, they're like, wow, you're really smart. And it's, like, some 15-year-old dude. And he's like, yeah, well, I got a little something here that'll help you out. And he's got a little vial of cocaine. And the kids (laughs) just sit there and ignore him. And he's just like, guys, do you not... And he just gets frustrated and walks away. I'm like, okay. <laughs> if you're in a situation <laughs> where somebody's offering you cocaine as a child, you have bigger problems. Uh, this is there, You have way bigger problems than just you need to get away from the situation, not ignore the dude <laughs> so that he goes away. But my God, were they dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me a... Uh think of was it the dewey cox uh you don't want no part of this shit yeah <laughs> thank you for filling in the blanks <laughs> oh yeah that's a great one. <laughs> yeah that was pretty great but anyway, yeah, yeah. D- danny torrance is is digging through cereal boxes to get to the prize at the bottom and he is just throwing the the cereal all over the kitchen and Peter Weller, like you said, he he handles it like a champ. He doesn't like shout at him or throw anything or hit him or anything. He's just like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> like, "Oh, here, I'll help you out." And he actually like helps him. Like, wow, he's super chill. That's kind of um, cool. <laughs> I was pretty pissed when I saw this kid in the movie. I was doing like the Patrick Bateman cornflower blue when the guy shows him the card and he's just like. I'm like, God damn it, this kid's going to be in this movie. And then I didn't realize they left. Like, they go in, I'm like, oh, he's going to school or something. I'm like, oh, no, they're gone. They're from out of the movie pretty much. I'm like, oh, this is just him inside his inside of his uh, house. Nice. Much better. <laughs> I mean, I do like some of the vignettes where they, they bring the kid back. I mean, it's... <laughs> we'll, it's we'll get to that. It's yeah, kind of fun. It's very, <laughs> but it, he's not in the whole movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was right there with you, though. I was like, I don't I don't need a kid in my mm-hmm. rat movie. Mm-mm. Um. Uh, but yeah, uh, as it so happens, um, both uh, the the wife and the son are going on vacation minus dad. Uh, so Peter Weller's going to have the house to himself. And I noticed something that I'm sure bothered the f- bothered you uh, to no end. Um, there's some weird ADR almost immediately in this movie. Uh, it's when they're uh oh notebooks coming out. A D R. <laughs> so Kyle took notice just as well as I did. Um, yeah, uh, all the all the kitchen dialogue in the opening scene in this movie is straight up just ADR, mm-hmm. and it was it was really disconcerting right from the beginning. I was like, oh no, is this going to be the whole thing? It's like I didn't sign up for no Giallo. I signed mm-hmm. up for a fucking rat. That's exactly <laughs> like, what I was thinking too. I'm like, is this a fucking Giallo? God damn it! 
I know the I know the director's Greek Italian, but mm. <laughs> <laughs> this is like that's not good enough justification. In this country, <laughs> we record in the room. <laughs> in this country. This country. <laughs> God. Um but yeah, uh, it dissipates like we we do get like live audio later on. So it's just, I I'm guessing just the kitchen was problematic or something, but I, I, do like this sequence here where he sends them off in the cab. I guess they're going to her her father's house, and I guess he kind of has a he. I guess the father-in-law's offered to like pay for the mortgage or something like that. And Peter Weller's very much like giving us like, listen, we bought this house, I've got the mortgage on it, we did a whole renovation on it. It's our house. I want to pay for it. So we're setting up what he has to lose basically, but also that he doesn't really like her father uh, very much. Doesn't like the father-in-law. But I like him sending them off, off in the cab, and he goes in, gets the rest of his his stuff ready. Did you notice that he takes time to smell the flowers before he goes? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. He he's alone in the house after he sends them off in their station wagon uh, to go to go be with Grandpa for for a little while, um, and he we get a nice uh, just visual montage there's no dialogue because mm-hmm. he's alone in the house why would he be talking to himself but he's alone in the house he like he butters his toast and everything we see him load the dishwasher straighten his tie straighten a picture frame and just from these couple of shots and s- smell the flowers smells well. the flowers <laughs> <laughs> um just from these shots we we paint a picture of of what kind of person he is where it's like we we get the sense that he's very fastidious he he lives in a very nice home he keeps it clean Mm-hmm. And he likes things in order. And in fact, as he's sending the, his family off, there's a bit that I was telling you off air that uh, Danny Torrance is like fiddling with a carpet on the ground. Like there's like a rug. And Peter Weller just puts his arms out like Kurt Russell. And he's like, hey, Peter, how about the carpet? And he just he just like raises his voice just that slight amount. And the kid like looks at him for a second. And he just like nods his head like, mm? <laughs> it's like, this is me warning you that Could I'm you about not? to get mad. I'm not mad right now, but if you keep fucking around, I'm gonna. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I've gotten that before. <laughs> and yeah, the kid fixes it. And basically, we're just pointing to the fact that, you know, he's a he's a tidy guy that he runs a tight ship. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of a Taken's not a very good movie. But um, there's a there's a bit where we we get some visual storytelling in Taken where uh, Liam Neeson is wrapping up a birthday present for his daughter and we get to see just a quick a series of cuts of him wrapping the present and he Mm -hmm. does an immaculate job of it Mm. and it's like oh he's that kind of (laughs) guy good with his hands (laughs) we did get some some office talk and it kind of sets up the next scene Uh, he was talking to his wife about like yeah I think he's kind of up for a promotion it seems like like he's I've been working hard for this and looks like I might be up for this promotion, which means we'll be making a lot more money. We'll be able to get this thing paid off in no time. And she's kind of like, yeah, okay. Like, that's, that, it seems like what I'm gathering is that he works too much. That was kind of the thing. And she probably wants him to spend more time with her and uh, Danny. Uh, I don't know the kid's name, so I'm just going to call him Danny Torrance. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, I did, this is where I was like, he's very charming because he, he goes to the newspaper stand. Uh, in New York, Toronto, or Quebec, sorry, New York, <laughs> uh, New York, Quebec, and uh, the lady that's running the stand is just like, fucking, <laughs> like she's got her headphones on, <laughs> just dancing and stuff, and uh, he kind of has this little exchange with her. I don't think she can hear him. I think he's just kind of talking at her while she's dancing, 
Um, but he, they seem to know each other. Like he does this every day. So I'm like, he's just, he's just a really nice guy. Um, but the, I was going to say, I can, I can sum up the office talk because this is kind of long. You get not a lot of characterization here. I would say you meet his boss. Um, I can give you the spiel uh, if you had any other details you wanted to point out in this sequence. Um, I'll let you give the spiel, but I just wanted to point out that some of his co-workers are played by some familiar faces. Mm. Um, so there's a shot where we have a West Wing shot uh, mm-hmm. as we're entering the office where it's it's him and one of his associates walking down the hallway. One of his associates who's essentially one of his rivals because mm-hmm. uh, they're competing for ownership of a project that's very important to Mr. Weller. Um, the this gentleman yeah. is a played by Kenneth Welsh. There we go. Has been on our show before mm-hmm. um, in the form of the also Canadian film, mm-hmm. The Void. Uh, Kenneth Welsh is most known to audiences as a Wyndham Earl from Twin Peaks. Uh, you you will have not seen him yet as I okay. believe he doesn't appear until the second season. We are uh, really trying to push through <laughs> Twin Peaks. It's hard right now. I mean, it's it's an I believe an hour an episode. It's it's yeah. not it's a lot. It's, a lot. <laughs> it's like it, it, it's not well, the, short. <laughs> the first episode is ninety minutes. The pilot's ninety minutes for crying out loud. David Lynch yeah. is got to be one of the weirdest fucking directors. I won't get into it now, but man, I, I he's like one of those people. He's like like I gotta wrap my head around him. I've got to understand him. Like I just don't get him yet. But anyway, keep going. Don't tell Brad I said that. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle, Kyle's got to know. <laughs> I'm pushing through. I'm um, sorry. But yeah. but yeah, during this this West Wing shot, there's some nice, again, more nice visual storytelling where these two associates, Peter Weller and uh, Kenneth Welsh, are walking down the hallway together. And uh, Welsh kind of slights him and almost like delegates something to him. And he keeps walking and Peter Weller stops and the camera continues to pull away from him. And it's just like really basic elemental visual storytelling where it's like oh he got dissed <laughs> um but yeah if you wanted to cover the office business uh, yeah, we could it. he's going to this meeting he gets uh he, he meets with his assistant I, I don't know who she is have i seen her in anything else i couldn't uh jennifer dale uh, i'm looking at her filmography right now and anything pop out? i don't wow i don't see anything but she she was like I Gina like, Gershon, not Gina Gershon, uh, Triple Horn, Gene Triple Horn, before, before she was a thing. Uh, I was gonna say Margot Kidder. There we go. That works. <laughs> like a softer Margot Kidder, because Margot Kidder had some sharp edges to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no. But yeah, I don't, I don't recognize her from anything. anything. Uh, although she has a lot of uh, TV credits, like a lot, mm. a lot. Uh, he he talks with her, and he's just like. You're a great assistant. How do you keep up with all this stuff? And like, oh, you got your meeting now. Um, and I guess she kind of finds out that something's kind of fallen through. And as he's on his way to the meeting, uh, I do like his boss for some. I don't know what it is about his boss. Uh, he just kind of doesn't. He's kind of like Paulie from uh, Goodfellas, where he just doesn't. He doesn't really say much, and he just kind of like owns the room anytime he goes in. Like they're all just like on eggshells with him. But there's a guy who smokes throughout the movie. And he's just obnoxious, like, uh, the boss is just obnoxious, like, <coughs> like, waving his hand in front of his face. The guy, like, puts it out, and he's like, thank you. Um, his boss reminded me of Frank Langella, uh, like, his voice. Like, he just talks really deep like this. It's kind of I could s- see that. I, for some reason, way, his his uh, hair and his look almost made me think of uh, the station chief from The Thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he has that, like, 
almost like stereotypical like uh roosevelt-esque like mm-hmm. look to him <laughs> oh if you want to see a heartthrob of a president look at gerald ford's college pictures when he played football holy crap uh i don't know who told me that or how it came up but i looked it up and i'm like wow okay yeah <laughs> gerald ford was was way handsome um but yeah we find out here uh just to sum it up that the promotion is not going to happen and he's going to be whatever work that Peter Weller was finishing up on that was going to lead to this promotion is going to go to, I think the other guy or to somebody else. He's like, what I want you to focus on is this new thing. And it's much bigger. It's pretty much the whole West coast, like from LA to Seattle, uh, something to do with banking. I'm not entirely sure what's happening. Um, and Peter Weller kind of mentions like, yeah, I've never done anything like this before. Like this isn't, this isn't my area of expertise. If we were doing this other thing, I can knock it out of the park. So it's like he's getting, he's having the opportunity to learn something that he doesn't know how to do, and it's going to lead to possibly an even bigger promotion, or just for that same promotion. I'm not entirely sure, but basically, go ahead. He's simultaneously being given a gift and being screwed at the same time. Yes, yes, exactly. He's like, and we also have our timeline now. We have two weeks for the big meeting, and you need to be rested up. You need to be working around the clock. Like this is this two weeks matters. So when we meet the antagonist of the film, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, that's my very next note. Although I will say um, I have not watched this movie in a couple of days. Um, okay. and I'll read my note to you right now. Uh, this guy reminds me of Langella. <laughs> so no kidding. I, in the moment, I had the exact same thought. It's his, there's something about his voice that's kind of like sexual, but it's also commanding and intimidating at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> it's very creepy. <laughs> Did you know I played Skeletor? <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. Uh, so we have the big assignment. Uh, so this is essentially the plot of the movie. Yeah, is that Peter Weller has a lot on his plate for the next two weeks, uh, and he's going to need to work on it round the clock. I cut like the way to I... a... go ahead. Sorry, I'm sorry. Finish your thought. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, cut to a POV of the rat. Yeah, house. I was. I was. I got ahead. I'm like the way this thing gets going. It gets going almost immediately. We like the way they set up everything. The family, the problem at work. We're in it. I think within like I think eight minutes we've got the movie going, uh, which is pretty crazy. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's very efficient. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's where visual storytelling. That's where the medium of film is so beautiful. Is that just by showing those couple of shots of him smelling the flowers. Without saying any words or going at length to explain his character, we just know it now. Um, I think this might be my favorite movie by this director, and I don't necessarily uh, find this movie that entertaining. It was entertaining the one like the one time around, but I think the details, especially in the first half or maybe even the first seventy percent of the film, is really good. And I, I have to I have to give him that it's it is very detail oriented just little things you might you might not might not catch throughout. Yeah, it's it's pretty well put together um, <clears throat> from a structural standpoint or otherwise. Um, I I think I'd put Rambo two at the top of my list as far as uh, my favorites of this director, um, but this is this is up there. Okay. Um, but I yeah so we have a POV shot of it's not explicitly told to us it's a rat but. You, you know, the, the, for a movie that has a reputation as being that rat movie, it's a fucking rat. See, I didn't, again, I did not know this was a rat movie. So I'm like, what is this? I'm like, what is this little thing? What is, what's going on here? It felt like uh, a red herring. 
I'm like, eh, he's going to think it's a rat. That's what I was thinking the whole time. It was like, oh, he's going to think it's a rat. See, that's to your benefit because there is a definite part of this movie where you could, this could easily have been spun into just a straight up psychological drama where it's mm-hmm. like he's under a lot of pressure and he's having a breakdown. Yeah. Um, but it's not that. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, anyway, we have this POV shot of it's a rat in the house. And uh, then we immediately cut to Peter walking home with a smile. Mm-hmm. And you expect, you almost expect to hear like raindrops keep falling on my head or something like that. <laughs> it's, it's straight out of like Spider-Man 2 or something. But um, And then we cut to night at home. And uh, Peter Weller is, uh, Bart rather, is uh, sketching in the dark at his desk and he hears a noise he hears a chittering of some sort and yeah yeah yep it's an awful noise (laughs) um and then he goes to like investigate in the house and as far as i know he doesn't find anything here um but we get this really uh really awesome shot where it's like him posted up on a wall like he's sneaking around like solid snake or like james bond or something um and a giant shadow casts on the wall next to him. <laughs> and it's like, it's has the shape of like a rat's head, but it's like as big as he is. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> that's that's, that's kind of cool. Um, but he doesn't see that. Only we, the audience, see the giant shadow looming over him. So it's almost like foreshadowing of how much of his life this thing is going to occupy. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. But yeah, um, he moves into the kitchen. Um, where there is apparently bad sound, and uh, oh fuck was my reaction. Just all <laughs> caps. Leak? Oh, oh fuck, <laughs> because uh, the dishwasher has flooded in the kitchen. Yeah, so that was that's why I mentioned at the top. Like they renovated this place, and that's expensive. And they have a mortgage on this place, and that's probably expensive because this is quote unquote New York, and this is a big piece of house. Uh, so yeah, I'm actually, I was stressed out for him. I'm like taking my pulse. I'm like, fuck, this is bad, dude. <laughs> this is really bad. No, all caps. I was, oh, oh, fuck. <laughs> and immediately after that, Peter Weller is like trying to investigate like what's causing the leak and stuff. And he mutters to himself, oh man, I don't need this. Yeah, he's like, I, I don't really need don't need this. <laughs> you really feel for him here. You're like, I really don't need this right now. And he's working from like, I don't know if it's the end of the day or if he's just working from home. Probably left the office a little early to work from home and it's got to be great you know wife and kid aren't there he can really focus on work and this fucking whatever it is at this point we don't know what it is but did you catch the plumber gag here like so the next scene it kind of cuts to he's got uh, a guy working in the kitchen um did you notice that they didn't show his butt crack was that intentional (laughs) uh Maybe. I mean, for all I know, George Cosmatos' father was a plumber or something. Maybe he has special appreciation for the craft. <laughs> mm. How big was Mario at this time? Yeah, it's like, that, that, that Mario, he's giving up people a bad name. <laughs> 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 Fuck that motherfucker. <laughs> remember Happy Gilmore when he, at the beginning, he's going through all of his Joe jobs that he had, and he was like, a construction worker and a plumber. And his, his whole ass is just <laughs> Adam Sandler had three 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 minutes of, of goodness. Um, by the way, uh, I recently read that uh, for Uncut Gems, he said that if he didn't get an Oscar for Uncut Gems, he was going to make an awful movie. And I'm like, oh, Adam Sandler, you didn't speak gibberish for one movie and you deserve an Academy Award? <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. 
Uh, I mean, as far as I've heard about that, uh, the wrong Missy movie, I mean, I don't know if make means be in, but I mean, that's a happy Madison film and it I has mean, a horrible reputation. <laughs> be in a bad movie? Oh, so what you've been doing so far has been, has been good. <laughs> I'm actually, I want him like, I want you to make a bad movie intentionally. Let's see what that looks like. That might actually be good. <laughs> uh, Fucking fuck. uncut gym. Um, oh, we'll get the Oscar for that one. We'll make a bad movie. Jesus. Uh, so this repairman character. Uh, repairman, man, 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 man. Oh, man. man. Um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> man, I haven't thought of that in years. Good job. Uh, so this guy is a fucking guy, creep. Yeah, this guy is unfucking believable. Yeah. Um, I this guy is fucking great. <laughs> this guy, Kyle. I don't know if you if you caught caught wind of this, but this guy is is Arlie Aramy from On Deadly Ground. This guy talks about rats like they are Steven Seagal. Every oh, yeah. single yeah. scene he's in, he talks about rats like they're Steven's fucking scene. Dude, this was like Wolf of Wall Street with Quaaludes. You learn so much about Quaaludes in there. There's a couple moments, like, I learned so much about rats in this. I'm like, you know what? This might be legit knowledge, too. That's the thing, because not only he is he is he an expert on it, another exterminator he goes to is an expert on it. And he does, uh, uh, Bart does so much uh, research on them that he stops at dinner dead <laughs> to give them the the, the uh, illustrated history of rats basically well yeah at that point he's developed an obsession it's just like it's at the forefront of his brain but yeah this guy like he he discovers that uh like the water hose in the in the dishwasher is frayed and he posits that you know it would take an army of mice or one tenacious rat to do this mm-hmm. And then he he also makes mention of the fact that uh, if you call an exterminator, they'll they'll mess up your house, they'll destroy your house. Yeah. Um, so it's like giving Peter Weller a mixed message, where it's like, oh, th- there's a way to get rid of this. Oh, but it'll cost you your house, and you're like this is a palace. You don't want to do that. Wink, yeah. Wink. <laughs> but um, but yeah, this guy he talks about rats like he's like he's like this rat man. It's an expert in martial arts, explosives, <laughs> weapons, and tactics. It's got a silver star, a navy cross, purple heart with a cluster, and security clearance revoked after Panama. It's like how do you know this rat? It's <laughs> a rat. He's like it's like this rat punched out one of its officers. That means it couldn't hold any rating except that of a yeoman or a cook. Well, <laughs> while I have you here, Trevor, could you do me a favor? please you're you you are good at isolating is it raining while it's sunny weird um you are good at isolating clips from movies maybe making gif i guess would be the way to call it um could you possibly get me the clip from on deadly ground where the shaman takes a feather to his head and he just falls back please (laughs) it's one of the greatest things in cinema history is that Uh, scene it's pretty fucking great it's fantastic put a pin in that i I can i can do that for you thank you thank you i can do that for you that's no problem whatsoever but so yeah this guy he goes on this this guy Um, uh he he makes it known that a rat could be happy anywhere man and i before he goes, though, he has to compliment the tiling mm-hmm. in the house. Um, so Peter Weller's like, thanks. In, in my notes, I have plumber, rats, question mark, maybe. I really felt like this was a red herring. I thought this was just, it's supposed to seem like rats. Well, it's, I'm kind of 
glad that you came into the movie like that because that 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 does add like an extra layer to it that's mm-hmm. really interesting because really this could just be a mechanical failure or something and once, it could he could just be like freaking out about it once you see even once i saw the rat i'm like oh that's not that's not all there is to it and then i you keep seeing it like i think this is just about a rat <laughs> it takes a little <laughs> bit for it to sink in but yeah yeah right right before the repairman shows up uh, this movie has a lot of just like quick cut interludes like only seconds long just like mm-hmm. scene transitions of just a uh, macro shots of rat parts <laughs> yeah and uh, we get the first one of those immediately before the repairman shows up and they do this thing that it's really creepy it doesn't make sense from a like a logistical standpoint but on a pure just like visceral visual level it's really kind of cool where they they shoot a rat um from underneath a glass table so you get to see all the angles of a rat that you really don't want to see. No. And so we get to see like its undercarriage and like its uh its clawed feet and stuff. It's like in in like macro, so it's like right in front of your fucking face. But... Yeah, but it's also kind of like the dicks in Fight Club, where it's just like it's so fast, like you don't even you don't even realize you saw it, but you did. Yeah, it's it's just meant to get us to the next scene. And it's a clever way of speeding things along because this movie does move, and I do mm-hmm. appreciate that. Um. And uh, uh, did you notice the inflatable robot at work? Oh, the smoking and <laughs> the smoker guy again? Yeah. Yeah. What was what was that? It was really random. They I don't know why they kept that, but yeah, the smoker guy is doing it, and the Langella boss comes by and is just like fanning in front of him again, and uh, he's like putting the cigarette out, and yeah, and then a fucking robot just kind of rolls out of his office. He's like, "Get the fuck back in!" <laughs> he's like getting mad at the robot. Like, Get back in there i'm like wait there are robots here i thought or maybe it was like a toy company like maybe like is there what it's one of those companies where we've got all these different branches doing things and he's the toy guy but yeah it's just a random robot i mean it was the 80s and panos cosmatos is italian greek and there's a lot of robot movies in italy and rocky four had a robot so (laughs) (laughs) i don't know maybe 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 it's like an italian thing in the 80s it's like this movie needs more robots (laughs) we got two movies robots giallo (laughs) we do two things here robots (laughs) yeah but yeah there's a robot at work and uh weller sets to work uh cutting cheese and setting old-fashioned rat traps in his, his house uh his knife skills are awful here i mean, he's gonna slice his fucking finger <laughs> uh maybe there was an onset injury that we don't know about um, <laughs> he's not holding the knife right he is not he is not holding you don't you don't slice like this get them fingers back jesus yeah even i know that and i'm yeah. terrible <laughs> but uh when he's at the office, he he calls his wife, and there's an awkward scene where she's at the pool mm-hmm. because because Shannon Tweed, yeah, you know why not? Um, it's just a completely surface level phone call. There's really no, I don't know, intimate information exchanged. But no, just a check just, in. Just it's just interesting seeing the mood difference though, like in their two respective venues, where he's like in a he's in the office and like his his chair is way too close to that window mm-hmm. it, it, it concerned me <laughs> um and she's meanwhile like at a fucking pool party like an indoor pool party yeah. so she's she's doing just fine yeah she's having a good time uh, yeah um and at this point he gets a little snippy with his uh, secretary 
and uh, he also is starting to lose some sleep. Like he he mentions in dialogue that he's not sleeping well. And uh, we also get some more POV shots of this rat as well as like a close up of its face. And like all the footage here is like kind of washed in red. So it's kind of surreal and creepy and whatnot. Um, Then we head back home at night and uh, there's a suspenseful scene where he's bringing the mail in. And uh, we have this POV shot from behind a, a, a vase or a vase, whatever you want to call it. And it's like wavering back and forth, like watching him from mm. either side of the vase. And uh, it's watching him not only like sort his mail, but also like check all the traps they set up around the living room. Uh, no dice. Uh, so yeah, uh, we cut from from that POV series of shots to uh, to the morning. And we, we have something that, I don't know, Kyle, like, I feel like this is something that would bother you in particular. Um, he finds a hair in his bread. Actually, no, that doesn't bother me at all because I have a dog that sheds like crazy. <laughs> so we'll just be eating and I'll just be like, no, yep, dog hair. There's just, we always have dog hair in our food. Like just, it's not a lot. It's not like we shaved her and threw it in there. It's just like there's one or two that you're just always going to find when you're eating. Okay, well, as a dog owner, I guess that's just a fact of life. Yeah. It just comes with the territory. But yeah, he finds a hair in his bread and he sniffs it and then throws both the bread and the hair away. Um, he says, Rat, uh, rats my ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also we get a, a hint at his psychology right now in the, fo- in the form of him ignoring a phone call uh, while he's digging around under his sink. Um and he finds a, a rat trap that's been snapped, but there's no rat. Um, so obviously this is supposed to be hinting at the fact that like his, uh, his attention is diverting more and more towards solving this rat problem rather than maybe more pressing issues. Um, but we get to, <laughs> we get to meet the, the repairman man man again. Um, and he's trying to like explain to this guy that like I have wrecked traps all over my house and uh no dead rat so what what exactly am i dealing with guy what what exactly am i dealing with here man and this guy he whips around he's like he's like my guy in dc tells me that we are not dealing with a student here we're dealing with the professor it's like what are you talking about it's like like, you have a cia trained rat in your house also this dude has nudies uh like pulled out of like a magazine not like posters like just Rip pages of Penthouse and Playboy taped to his wall. It's out of focus, but you can see it there. And it's very much in frame. Like, you can see Peter Weller on one side, the plumber on the other side, and back there you can see him all taped up. This dude's a creep. Yeah, I forget if it was this movie or something else I watched um, back-to-back-to-back with it because I've actually put a lot of movies between this one and, and what I've been watching recently. But I, it was a lower-budget movie, and I noticed that when they're at, like, a newsstand or something, all the books had... Um, a smudge like not on the lens but like the film had been doctored in some way to blur all the covers of all the books because they probably didn't have mm-hmm. access to that um uh but yeah this guy talks up some rats some more about how they can survive a nuclear bomb uh, he sp- apparently speaking from experience because he was, was it hiroshima at- uh he said he like i think he set foot at like bikini atoll or something where they did a h-bomb test um, mm. And he said, yeah, the, the rats survived somehow. But um, <laughs> I like that he cuts himself off. Uh, speaking of nudie photos, there's, yeah. a, there's a great bit where he cuts himself off like mid-sentence um, because 
uh, he's in the basement and there's like some thin wind there's some small windows uh, towards the ceiling uh, that face out towards the street um, so a pair of women's legs with like heels start walking by the window and he like cuts himself off mid-sentence to just kind of like glance over at that and he like says hello like he knows the legs like he he has a name to go with it and everything yeah he's like oh look it's mrs smith apartment 3a with a dog she cut herself shaving on the legs uh, i'm like whoa dude that's yeah, this guy's weird. a this guy's a creeper, but I found this performance to be very charismatic. Yeah, um, he he's he's very quick. It's kind of fun, um, and I believe the conversation ends with, "Do you want a pair?" <laughs> <laughs> and Peter Weller just says, "No, no, I wouldn't eat fruit that this man offered me." No, uh, to to quote the RoboCop from a few years later, "No, thank you." I'm not hungry. <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't want fucking baby food. <laughs> but uh, we're back at the office and Bart slash Peter Weller. Uh, he, again, a slow descent into madness here. Uh, he decides to take an early lunch to head home because he's got rat on the brain. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And we get some more glass, like macro shots of the rat as he's headed home. And he comes home to all of his mail that he had neatly set out on the counter the day before, shredded, like utterly mangled and shredded. Uh, and so he decides to escalate things in the form of putting like metal claw, like bear traps, essentially. Yeah. Like, <laughs> do you know what, I, what these are called? <laughs> I called it bear rat traps. Yeah. <laughs> bear rat traps. Bear rat traps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was told by the repairman. Um, that he was using antiquated equipment. And, oh, yeah, I forgot. There's a really great detail there. Um, that, again, speaks to Peter Weller's character in the film. Um, when he's explaining, like, what happened with the antiquated traps, um, the guy asks him, what kind of bait did you use? And he says, the sharpest cheddar I could find and lamb. Mm-hmm. And the guy just, like, oh, a little rich. <laughs> like, like, it's like, why would you use that? He's like, no, no, you, you should just use like low-grade bacon. Like, like, why are you using your dinner to to bait the rat? <laughs> but it just shows how naive and like senseless he is when it comes to matters like this. You need stinky um, things. They like things that stink, rotten. They don't care. They'll eat it all. Yeah, point is they don't care. You don't need you don't need like a special. You don't need a fucking rack of lamb to attract. You don't need rat. Gordon Ramsay to put together a fucking meal to put on this thing. <laughs> okay, so what we're gonna do today is a rack of lamb. Now we're gonna have the mint and the orange. We're gonna marinate that for a good four hours to, to catch the rat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he would be running around the house with a knife and you know calling the rat a donkey and stuff. Oh, yeah. and that would that would actually be very entertaining. It would Actually, probably only last one episode because I believe Gordon Ramsay knows how to handle rats, being as he's a chef. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, he he'd be able to handle rats. He's got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> he's like John McClane at the end of Die Hard. He's got the gun like taped to his back, so he'll be like, like going off like early in his restaurant career. He's like doing prep and then <laughs> and he'll just get back to chopping. <laughs> Yeah, in some dingy place in, like, the seedier part of Paris or something. <laughs> he just stops all of a sudden. He's like, do you like your toes where they are? Okay. Well, then I wouldn't move if I were you. Clean that up, please, sous chef. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Peter Weller, he sets up all these uh, bear rat traps around the house. Um, and there's a fun bit where he, uh, he asks 
his son's stuffed animals for some help. He's like, where, where do you think I should put these guys? <laughs> I was like, like, well, if you're putting them in your kid's room, let's not forget that you put them in there. I was waiting for that to happen. I thought it was going to happen. I thought that was going to happen, but um, maybe that would be too twisted. Um, yeah. But I think that would have been pretty great, though. <laughs> like, if, if the kid especially got hurt... Because it's like the one that he like has unambiguous love for, like like because the wife used like you had hinted at, like there's some sort of weirdness going on, but like no, he clearly really loves his son. Yeah. Um, it would be like some pet cemetery shit or something. Um, but anyway, uh, he he sets all these rats, uh, he sets all these rat traps and stuff, and uh, I think we get like a shot of the rat, and the rat just looks like has this like. I'm projecting, obviously, but it has this like face, like it's un- it's unimpressed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's good rat acting. Um, but then we head to the library, and uh, we get a scene that is very reminiscent of Jaws. And I want to say again, it's an intentional homage or ripping off of. But uh, yeah, uh, Bart goes to the library and he starts pulling books off the shelf uh, to read up on rats. And he gets to see all these grisly photos of what they can do to people and the fact that they spread disease. And, they're not, you know, these are all things that people should know and, and most people do know. Um, but, yeah, we get a lot of grisly photos of, like, rat attacks and stuff. And one of the titles of the books is uh, The Rat Lapdog of the Devil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to find it. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm afraid of rats, very much afraid of rats. So this sequence was nightmare fuel for me. And I will definitely be having, probably not tonight, but tomorrow night, I will have a rat nightmare because of this. Uh, Yeah, the rats eating each other, the rats eating their own babies, the rats eating faces. Yeah, I can't, I can't handle that. So thanks for that. Sorry, Kyle. (laughs) I know, rats are a thing with a lot of people. Also, why I put Death Watch kind of on the shelf for now. (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah. Duly noted. That's um, why. <laughs> but yeah, like like Kyle had said, uh, he digs through like the microfiche as well as watches videos of um, plague and disease. And yeah, it's a fun word. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I couldn't like, think of it. I was sitting there I'm like, what the fuck is the... It's weird. Micro, microphone. I can't think of it. Yeah. Microfiche. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he gets to see rats do all sorts of horrible things. And the reason I say this is reminiscent of Jaws is it, it just reminded me of Chief Brody... Um, before he meets Hooper, well, it's after he meets Hooper, I think, but he's just alone at his house, uh, just flipping through books, and it's almost identical to this. We've been trying um, to watch summary movies, and I told you I watched that French film, the Monsieur Hulot's uh, uh, Vacation or whatever it was, I can't remember. Uh, it was very charming, but Jaws has been on my summer movies to watch, because summer's in full swing down here. Uh, I mean... The bulk of Jaws takes place during July 4th weekend, so... It's coming up, dude. Um, yeah, you maybe save it for 4th of July or something. <laughs> no, we'll have, we have guests that weekend, so I won't be able to get to it then. Oh, well, I actually very recently rewatched it, like, three weeks ago or so. I is, picked is that, that sucker up on the 4K. <laughs> is that your Jurassic Park? Like, you watch it twice a year? Uh... I mean, Jurassic Park is my Jurassic Park, but, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, Jaws, uh, I could watch Jaws anytime, yeah. and, and I would I would be just, like, enraptured in it. Like, it's I wouldn't a, be able to look away. It's a good thing I don't have, like, like satellite or cable, and Jurassic Park isn't, one of the movie, isn't on one of the movie channels like good, because I probably wouldn't get to anything else if it was like, oh, Jurassic Park just started. Well, 
uh, Dennis Nedry hasn't died yet, but he's about to. I can watch it from here. Or the Raptor scene is about to start. I'm like, well, that's good enough for me. I can start it here. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, we all we all have a lot of those, and yeah, Jurassic Park it has that quality to it. But yeah, Jaws is on the same plane. I don't want to for me. I don't want to miss it because uh, it's one of the small details. And I kept I kept meaning to put it in my notes. Um, I'm not sure if it's uh, when he comes back from the dinner. But it might have been before. I think it's when he comes back from the dinner. Um, the rat tail. We'll, we'll talk about the dinner. But did you see the rat tail like leaving the apartment or like going on the windowsill in the one scene? Okay. I'm not sure I where did. that was at. Um, yeah. It may have been earlier. Okay. Uh, I'll have to like glance over my notes while we're talking. But yeah, there's a really great moment where he's um, he's preoccupied and he's just not looking there. And even the camera angle isn't set up in a way to really... Mm-mm. create the the tail as like a focal point but it's just one of those things you either see it or you don't but like it very clearly points to the fact that yes there's a rat in the house he mm-hmm. just hasn't seen it yet so he hasn't confirmed it um but we the audience if you're paying attention see that and it's like oh fuck <laughs> and that's huge too i i actually really love some of the shots of the, of the rat at a distance in this movie because it's like oh fuck that's a raccoon i've, I've seen <laughs> a rat not this big but i've seen one where you're like what the fuck like that is way too big that is not okay uh i've definitely <laughs> seen a rat where it's like a grown man like we had one it died in our backyard and this was in um like in the midwest uh it died in our backyard and it had a clover in its mouth we don't know how it, i don't know how it died it was just laying on its back and this thing was fucking massive and our my dad wasn't home yet and our neighbor came and got like a, a leather glove and just like picked it up and a grown man this thing looked like he was holding a cat almost like it was enormous yeah yeah rats are fucking disgusting yes yeah they're they're pretty awful creatures they're vile <laughs> disgusting rodents that should be shot on sight <laughs> shoot it, shoot it. <laughs> tell them to shoot it <laughs> uh but yeah I, I really love that um after he's done in the library we get to see it's we just cut to a shot of him outside the office not going in but just like walking towards the camera and it's this long shot it's one of the few very long shots in this movie of just noise it's him with a blank peter weller face which he's exceedingly good at doing um it's him walking directly towards the camera and people are just like zipping in and out of all sorts of glass doors in front of him as he's walking towards the camera and the sound, the just the ambient noise just intensifies gradually uh, and during this long shot to the point that it becomes unbearable. Like, it is just awful. Um, but it does a lot to, like, highlight the fact that he's starting to lose it. <laughs> um, and also when he gets in the office, uh, the Wyndham Earl guy, uh, Ken Welsh, he points out, like, your tie's fucked. Doesn't say, <laughs> he just says, tie. Yeah, he's just like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, he forgot to put his tie on. No, it's just a little loose. Yeah, but nice. for this particular guy, it's like one of those things that's like that's out of character for him. I hope I'm that guy when I get back into an office setting, not Peter Weller. I want to be the other guy. You want to be Wyndham Earl? <laughs> yeah, I want to be him. <laughs> tie. Fix it. It's like Kyle wants to be the guy who uh, opens a portal to hell <laughs> in Canada. Be, that you, only happens in Canada. <laughs> you, can, you can be the Conor McGregor or you can be the Jose Aldo. That, that's the way I see it. Like You can get inside somebody else's head or you can get knocked the fuck out in eight seconds. Thirteen seconds, sorry. 
<laughs> I need you to be in a suit in a boardroom saying that to the new guy. McGregor going to be Aldo. What's it going to yeah. be? <laughs> yeah, you need to have that in the holster ready to go. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, uh, he, he heads in there. He fixes his tie, kind of. Um, and he actually ignores a call from his wife when he's at the office. Yeah. Um, so again, he's he's kind of in a different place right now oh he's doing a little bit of don draper right now like we don't know where he's at right now he's not in the office he's probably cheating on his wife spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) he uh john ham keeps trying to sell me mercedes-benz mercedes-benz he says it a very particular (laughs) mercedes-benz just just watch mad men you don't need to do anything else really with john ham oh his movie career is mostly shit (laughs) thank god he was given he wasn't given but thank god he got uh mad men yeah he's doing just fine yeah Um, (laughs) but yeah uh, we get a shot of like peter weller just like looking down at the street from his his office window and like his secretary is trying to call him back to call him back to reality and he's only barely there Mm. um and she reminds him that, hey, we got a dinner party um, that was actually told to him like weeks ago. And he keeps like every day he keeps forgetting about it almost. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's got an office like dinner party at the boss's house that night. And uh, yeah, uh, this this meal looks horrendous. Um, I didn't even notice. Oh, yeah. It's like a Cornish game hen or something. Yeah, it's like a squab or a Cornish game hen. And then if the centerpiece is a jello mold, it's like, oof. I know we're in 1983, but this looks like 1973. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's hideous. <laughs> like, yeah. Ugh. yeah, that was this was like high class kind of dinner, and there's Jello. Pull that, try that shit now, dude. Oof, it's bad. But yeah. well, I mean, if you pulled that shit today, at least up here in Seattle, somebody would have an issue with the gelatin. But yeah uh it is monologue time Mm -hmm. and i couldn't i couldn't write all this down because it's actually fairly long it's a substantial monologue but uh bart uh goes off on a long tangent as soon as he's brought into the conversation so it's it's kind of funny because he's entirely silent and it's not until somebody at the table like says how about you bart and he's like well (laughs) it's his uss indianapolis like they kind of just like focus on him but they're like you kind of get a few reactions around the table, but it's like just one long spiel of him talking about like bubonic plague, how rats are disgusting, they're filthy creatures, they should be exterminated. Yes. Uh, what did you? What were some of the fine points here? Did you write down any of them? Uh, well, actually, he he tries. He kind of tries to rope it into business talk. Mm-hmm. Like he tries to like rope it's it in. Not, or he's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not though. It's 100% not. No, this, this is the equivalent of like striking up conversation with that guy at the office who just listened to like a history podcast mm-hmm. and like just he just wants to talk about it. It's like yeah. that was unprompted. There's no reason we need to talk about that. But for some reason, you're going to talk at me about World War One because you just heard some cool shit about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's entirely what this is. But he this tries a- to bring it back around by talking about how the the nation's food supply, a good chunk of it gets destroyed by rats every year. And this that is- relates to accounting and, and the economy and whatnot. This hot pocket is the bomb. Oh, it's the bomb, huh? Well, I'll tell you about a bomb, and it's not very good. And like, Jesus, dude, I'm just talking about this hot pocket. You are, you've got something else going on, though. Yeah. Like, you ever heard of Hiroshima? Hiroshima and, that, and, and Nagasaki. <laughs> <laughs> uh, about 
to drop a truth bomb on your ass. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like, get a life, sir. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I actually I would have equated the hot pocket to more Vietnam because the inside of it's more like napalm. Uh. <laughs> it's like, oh, you want to talk random shit? Well, let's talk. You want to talk shit? some shit? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, he talks about how the rats are the carriers of the bubonic plague, how they're destroying our food supply, which directly affects everyone here in the room because of it affects the global economy. Um, and he also mentions how some Southeast Asian countries, uh, I think he references the Philippines directly as being a you know group of people that actually eat rat on the regular. And he says it tastes like stringy chicken, <laughs> stringy chicken. Um, and he has, I, I wish I had written it down, but uh, the way he closes out this whole spiel is actually really well written where he's like, he says that there's certain cultures, ancient cultures, uh, that revere the rat or worship the rat in some, in some respect. And he just kind of throws this out there. That's like, how, how dare people worship and revere a creature that its only contribution to existence is famine, sickness, and death and i'm like he hates this thing yeah <laughs> like hate doesn't even begin to describe it jeez <laughs> um but yeah we head back home and uh we hear a screech while he's checking his traps which has become an, an obsession for him it's like almost every time we see him at home he's fiddling with some sort of trap but we hear a screech and then we get a pov shot uh from the air vents and the sewer line um, so the rat is on the move through the house while he's doing this, and it's it's driving him nuts. But he's got nothing caught. Nothing caught. He hasn't even seen the thing yet. Um, and then we go back to work, and from work, um, he's he's got like a 1983 electric hand like shaver. Yeah. Um, that looks like a little box, like a rectangular black box. Um, I feel like you'd probably cut the fuck out of your face with that thing. Yeah, don't put that thing on your face. Yeah, he's, uh, looking he's like, doing that. He's looking like Tyler Durden. Like he's looking like Edward Norton, where his boss is like, "Are you? Is that blood on your shirt? Is that your blood on your shirt? Like some of it, yeah. Like you can't smoke in here. Like he looks like shit." <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's disheveled. He looks stinky, and yeah, he's got really bad five o'clock shadow. And while he's at his desk, presumably attempting to work, uh, he's also flipping through the yellow pages, uh, or the white pages rather, like calling exterminators. And he tried 10 of them, apparently, and they're all overbooked because <laughs> New York, <laughs> um, uh, Quebec standing in for yeah. New York, kind uh, quote of. Unquote, yeah, quote unquote New York. But um, so he leaves messages with all of them and uh, he heads to an army surplus store. Uh it's ne- we never actually see the exterior of it, so maybe they couldn't afford that or something. But, <laughs> but like just based on everything in there, I just kind of assumed that oh, that's an army surplus. So I thought it was just an, he actually got a hold of an exterminator, and he was like the D team uh, exterminator. That's just like not he's got bad reviews or whatever. It's the guy at the bait shop that's like it's like he used to be a charter fisherman or something but mm-hmm. it's like no i'll give you the shit to do it but i'm not taking you out <laughs> so, like, yeah i could take you out on my own boat well we're gonna go by my rules while he's slugging out of a fucking whiskey. <laughs> it's like on second thought can i just have the kit and i'll see you later <laughs> I'm sure i'll take you out for half the price yeah this guy he gives some more hype um to the rats mm-hmm. about how awesome they are it's like 
rats. Like these rats are the kind of guys that would drink a gallon of gasoline so they could piss in your campfire. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, he hints at the fact that females are worse. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, put a pin in that. Yeah. And uh, he gives Peter Weller two kinds of poison, two ways to kill a rat. And he, he gives a long explanation to how the water poison works. And this sounds horrible. Mm. Oh, my God. I was like, poisons are awful. <laughs> so what this, uh, yeah, poisons are awful. <laughs> so what this does is you, it if you ingest this poison, it makes you, like, have an uncontrollable thirst. Uh, it It gives you the feeling that you need water to survive. Uh, So for a rat, maybe not a human with more complex psychology, but for a rat, what it does is it commands their physiology to seek a water source and continue to drink until they pop, essentially. Oh, nice. That's fucked up. (laughs) Yeah, I'm fine. When it comes to rats, I feel nothing. Nothing! (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then as as, uh, Peter Weller is headed out, the guy stops him and he's like, just remember... Get out! Like, stay out of his way. You get in his way, and he'll go right through you. <laughs> it's like it's a fucking rat, dude. It's a rat, dude. <laughs> you got a gun. You got it. It's like, haven't you ever punted a football? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's pretty much the same thing. Kick it in the fucking head. Stomp on it. <laughs> um, but he heads home, and he lays this water poison down in the kitchen, uh, like lining all the all the base of all the furniture and stuff. And uh, this is where we get the tail shot. Okay. So he's down towards the floor, like, laying down the poison powder. And above him, like, above the sink, we see this little rat tail just, like, slink around a can. And it's all we get in terms of a look at the rat. It's like, oh, that's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's cool. But um, also, all the pillows in his linen closet have been torn open. Mm -hmm. So as he's headed to bed, he gets a... Man, that would be like a... That would like ruin my night kind of thing where it's like, okay, I'm like finally at a place where it's like I can start to wind down a bit. And then I open my linen closet and it's just like feathers. And I would just like, I would have gotten the exterminator and I would be staying in a hotel. That would be the wise choice, I think. Although mouse hunt, that didn't exactly work out. Christopher no. Walken got, he got got by that rat. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, it's bedtime, and uh, we get a jump scare, Kyle. Do you remember how this went down? Yeah. Uh, Peter Weller gets up, and he's doing the thing where he's not opening his eyes. Uh, he's going to go pee. And uh, he walks over to the toilet, and he lifts the seat. And this is a weird jump scare where it you don't see the rat. And we don't even know if he sees the rat. You just see, like, some teeth really quick. And then just, oh, fucking shit. And he puts the, the lid back down. <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh, oh. And then he opens the lid back up and it's gone uh, and you see the you kind of see the shot of the rat um like going through the pipe like like it's like a clear shot but it's like going through the pipe it reminded me of the seattle center where they used to have the uh subterranean mole rats hmm. um they had a like a terrarium set up where it was a it was like an ant farm so it's it's like a a transparent uh, habitat for the for these creatures yeah so it's like it's like a cross section of a of a sewer pipe so they they built a prop for this rat to like navigate yeah. through, but so the camera could see into it. But yeah, the editing there was really confusing. Yeah, um, I th- I think there was maybe an issue with putting a rat prop in the toilet or something. Like maybe they didn't have enough room to work with. 
Um, I suspect the rat prop just looked like shit because they never they never show you what it looks like for yeah. the most part. The same with Leviathan. Like it's impo- Like if you've seen Leviathan five five times, you cannot describe to me what that monster looks like. It's such a shame because I've seen I've seen it enough times that I I know what it looks like and I I know what they were dealing with. But even if it didn't look perfect, you should have. It would yeah. it would make it a much more coherent film. It would make it more enjoyable for me personally because I like my rubbery monsters. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, the, the, the cuts here are really too quick and and very awkward to the point that I thought maybe it was a dream at first. Um, but then we get the shot of the rat going through the the sewer pipe, and it's like, oh, that actually happened. Um, anyway, he gets that scare, and uh, he tries to go back to work, and uh, the rat starts gnawing on some wire. And it's making it. It's making that noise. It's like, it's like fucking shit. <laughs> um, and then we get a great line from Peter. Oh, Lauer, good yeah. New York line. Keep it up. I've got friends in Jersey. <laughs> I've got friends in Jersey. If I didn't, if I wasn't, if I hadn't known about The Sopranos, I wouldn't have gotten this joke. But uh, traditionally, I guess the Italian mafia uh, reside in New Jersey. Yes, uh, it's a great line. Yeah. Um, and especially because he's like trying to work, so he's he's like he's throwing it out there, mm-hmm. but he's he's so pissed off that he can't do anything about this. It's a problem that he can't really attack. Um, um, is this where he starts slapping the ceiling with a book? Did you catch the title of the book? You know, Kyle, it's 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 one of those things. It's like it's like. I think you really had to pay really close attention. Like you, you really had to like zero in on it. Other like ninety percent of people would not have gotten it. Like they yeah, would not have seen it. Like have it. it's like you'll you'll never guess what's what's in of unknown. So the book that he's using to slap against the ceiling is Moby Dick. Yes. Yes. Um, so it's a it's an explicit reference. In fact, I want to say the. Uh, one of the film adaptations of the movie is actually in this movie. Um, some footage of it. Yeah, it looks like a marlin. I don't know if a marlin comes or a swordfish comes up in Moby Dick. I'm not, I've never read the book. Uh, I've only seen the movie. Um, the, the Gregory Peck movie. I was going to say, which one, Trevor? I think, <laughs> I think that and uh, Wuthering Heights have uh, infinite, uh, <laughs> infinite <laughs> film adaptations. <laughs> Um, yeah, I actually would like to see the uh, the Ron Howard and Chris Hemsworth. Um, it's not Moby Dick, but it's it's about the story that inspired Moby Dick. Moby Cock. <laughs> no, I forget what it's called, but um, it's it's about a sperm whale attacking a bunch of people at sea, and hmm. it's a that would be more survival. fun. Yeah, it's a survival story. It had a nice look to it. Chris Hemsworth lost a shit ton of weight for it. Hmm. Um, much like he did in there, I think Ron Howard did Rush. So er, apparently, Ron Stewart. Howard wants a skinny Chris Hemsworth. Like that's like, maybe that's a thing. <laughs> mm. Um, yeah, I like this next scene where he's like he's pretty frantic at this point. But this next cut, he is walking up. To, the plumber is just kind of like hanging outside, and he walks up like a homeless dude. Like just like the way he could. There, it was like they were having a conversation that he left and came back to, but he's just like maybe. <laughs> and I'll tell you another thing about this fucking rat. I'm, like he just he's just going off. Like he's not sleeping from what we can gather. This thing is really, really his Moby Dick. Like it is his white whale. He is having a lot of trouble. Yeah, uh, 
also it needs to be said he yells at some kids right before like yeah. on his way over <laughs> to <laughs> repair <laughs> it's like you'll fucking kill somebody <laughs> uh, i love when peter weller yells but um yeah uh the handyman uh he tells peter weller that's like oh man this rat you could drop this guy off of the arctic circle wearing a pair of bikini underwear without his toothbrush and tomorrow afternoon he's gonna show up at your poolside with a million dollar smile and fistful of pesos it's like oh my god that was a lot um but the handyman suggests trying a different poison he's like you know this this rat might be wise to that particular type of poison so he's like yeah you gotta use shittier bait man like you, you gotta switch to that shitty bacon i'm telling you and also he tells him, like, I told you about the gloves, right? And, and it's like, no, you, you didn't. But he's like, oh, I totally told you about the gloves. You, you got to use rubber gloves. Otherwise, they'll smell you. They'll see you coming. You got to wear rubber gloves when yeah. you're spreading the poison. I told you about the rubber gloves. I'm like, he's not, <laughs> he's not handling. Not, yeah, he's not <laughs> handling lie. Uh, why would you react this way? Uh, but anyway, he sends him on his way, telling him try different poison, wear rubber gloves. So he's giving, he's like feeding him shitty information piecemeal, and it's very frustrating. Yes. Um, and we see that uh, Bart is bringing his rat research uh, to work in the form of him. I think he bumps into someone at work and like spills his papers everywhere. Um, and uh, Wyndham Earl teases him for it. So basically, this rat has just consumed every aspect of his life at this point. And we see that he he has gloves now, and now he's going through the house trying to spread more poison uh, and then he discovers that the rat has gotten to his pantry uh, so his dry good pantry and there's this really great shot of him just like just like sitting in the corner of the pantry just looking dejected and just done and there's oatmeal pouring on his head and he doesn't care it's really <laughs> he can't he can't move it's funny because he's putting himself through this for no reason it's really simple uh leave the house until this is over with and deal with the problem afterwards but he's just too stubborn he's he's not going to do that doesn't even come up as an option that would have been kind of interesting actually to have just that one little extra bit of character to show that he's that kind of person Mm -hmm. where it's like it's like no i started a thing i'm gonna finish it yeah it's like because yeah he seems like he's of means to the point that he could afford to check into a motel or a hotel or something uh for two weeks and you know just work in isolation but yeah it would have been it would have been nice just to have that small detail but um anyway we head down to the basement for the first time in the movie um and this becomes a a place of action throughout the rest of the movie but um, (laughs) yeah yeah, we head down the basement and he's putting he's putting his bear rat traps all over the place and we see that he has like a a fancy scale model of his own house in the basement Mm -hmm. um and it's it's a well-crafted prop and uh, we discovered that the sewer kickout, uh, the lid has been removed in the basement. Um, so both he and and us, the audience, we learned that, oh, that's how the rat's getting into the sewer and is like navigating through the house, and, like through the piping and stuff. So he seals that, so it denies the the rat safe passage through the pipes, presumably. Um, and then we discover a bunch of baby rats. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of baby rats, um, and remember, females are worse. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, we get a POV shot of the rat stalking Weller as he's like handling this. Uh, it's like a 
piece of shredded cardboard or something. It's like the corner like, of just the corner of the box, basically, where you can pick it up, and there's just like the one little little pocket, basically. Yeah, and it has all the baby rats in it, and this POV shot stalking him, and then it rushes him, and it bites his ankle, and so we finally get a little bit of a reveal of the rubber rat prop. It's not good. No. It looks like it looks raggedy as all fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even like the last, like the main part of this movie, that ten minutes is kind of funny because it's literally just Peter Weller holding on to a puppet. And it's, it's 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 you know it's Bear Lugosi fighting yeah. the octopus. <laughs> I, I think Bear Lugosi was doing a better job. <laughs> it was more convincing. <laughs> he was a professional, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, he gets Fuck attacked. Boris Korloff. Sorry, <laughs> I can't not. So, yeah, Karloff, sidekick. Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> Just the way his eyes explode out of his head when he drops that. Fuck you. <laughs> oh man, I'm uh, about to rewatch that. Yes, you will. Um, so he's he's wrestling with this rat, and in the meantime, he drops the babies. He down drops the rat the babies. Yeah, he drops all the babies down a storm drain in the basement. Uh, that's not good. No. Um, <laughs> if you've ever seen an animal attack movie, this is usually the catalyst for all the horrible things that happen in them. <laughs> Basically, what just happened was they tried to shave him. He tried to shave the rat dry, and they drew first blood. So, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so we head to the office and we have another talk with Frank Langella, the boss. I, this is where I have it down. This is where I have it written down. He sounds a lot like Frank Langella. Uh, there's a great dialogue exchange between uh, some of Peter Weller's associates and and uh, Frank Langella um, in the form of everybody seeing the boss coming down the hallway. And they say, oh, did you see the game last night? And he's like, oh, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh, it was a shutout, wasn't it? And everybody's just like, yeah, whatever. And then as soon as the boss goes in the other room, uh, the two guys are talking amongst themselves, and he's like, "Did you did you see the game?" And he's like, "No." It was hockey. <laughs> that was the thing because they're like, the "Match! It was like a blowout." And he's like, "You guys don't know shit about hockey or whatever." He's like, "Did you watch but it?" No. It's office politics yeah. stuff where it's like you 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 know brown nose to the boss, and he's like, "Did you see the game?" No. <laughs> it's like I was just saying what you say. No. Uh, but yeah, uh, the boss is not happy with Bart at this point. He's worried about him. Uh, he he assumes that there's problems with the wife. Uh, he's like, clearly you've got some shit going on at home. I assume it's your super hot wife. <laughs> I do like how he handles it. He's like, there's the problems with the wife. You know what? It's not my business. Just handle it. All right. Yeah. It's it's Frank Langella on the phone with Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah. It's that long pause when he tells him he lost the book. He's like, it's not an option. <laughs> I'm a man of means. Um, and as I soon as he remember. leaves, though, uh, yeah. Peter Weller calls another exterminator. Yeah. Um, and then we get a very strange scene where Peter Weller invites his secretary uh, into his house because um, he, she reminds him that he needs to hand some papers off to her because he's in a totally different place. He's not remembering anything. Uh, so he's like, "Oh yeah, come on in. I'll bring it to you." And uh, she, she like compliments his home because she's never actually been there before. And uh, this is where he shares with us, the audience, and her that he treated the floors by hand. Like basically everything you see, he he had a hand in actually bringing, like bringing to fruition. So this this home is like his palace. But I don't like this yeah. bit of characterization. 
I, I don't like the way this plays out. It it's not needed. Uh, I mean, I will give her this. I'm like, this is when Peter Weller is a piece of you know a piece of ass. Like he's he's a good looking dude. He's well off, and I guess the character is I guess handy as well. But I'm like, they go in for like a makeout. Like he's, I, you can say that he's like vulnerable right now. He's alone trying to deal with this. He's exhausted, but. I don't know. It just doesn't match his character, and I didn't really care for it. It doesn't match his character, but the one thing I'll say is that uh, he does have a line saying, sometimes I think she's she asked him about his wife and actually made a note, uh-oh, she brings up the wife. Uh, you could tell <laughs> that this was going to happen, yeah. Yeah. Hot secretary brings up your wife. Um, <laughs> no, that that's In not In your problem. home. In your home. Where she's never been before. If this were Michael uh, Douglas, she'd be already bent over the couch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, she brings up the wife, and then he has a line. Um, Sometimes I think she she feels she comes in second to this place. Mm. Um, and you know, there's some symbolism towards the end of the movie um, when we get to it. That's like maybe maybe there's some truth to that. Where it's like his uh his attentions were not his priorities were not where they needed to be in terms of like relating to his wife and his son, um, but we don't really get enough material to work with to really really dig into that. Yeah. But, um. Anyway, he does give her a smooch. Um. Immediately after talking wistfully about how much he loves his son, it's <laughs> like that's not a good lead into a yeah. you know a smooch with your secretary. Um, but then he gets cock-blocked by some rat shuffling. <laughs> I was like, thank you, rat. I didn't need that in this movie. Um, See, but yeah. We... I mean, the His wife and son are like don't really matter much to the story. Like At one point, it's kind of a motivation. So you could have him be uh, a single guy, and he's still going up with this promotion, and he's about to bang a lady and he's losing it because the rat's in there and he like starts to go off and starts banging the walls or something she's like i'm gonna go (laughs) you've got some issues here (laughs) yeah that would be pretty great i mean we do get a little bit of that toward like towards the later portions yeah but um when he starts to go batshit crazy but um he gets cock blocked and then he you know comes to his sense and he's like uh you gotta go <laughs> so he escorts her outside and i noticed the cat before he before he did and i thought that was a nice detail because we get a shot of them coming out of the house and walking towards the curb because he has a cab for her and everything um and as they're walking towards the curb there's just a cat in the background mm-hmm. just milling about and i was like oh there's a cat <laughs> so he puts her he puts her in the cab and he immediately immediately turns around and his Grabs his attention cat. is focused right on the cat and uh it's the cute it's the cutest friendliest street cat you've ever seen mm-hmm. <laughs> there's lots of very friendly if you're ever in seattle walking through the neighborhoods anybody listening you will just have cats that come up to you and they'll just like roll over in the sidewalk and they'll just be waiting for you to pet them there's lots of them especially in capitol I, hill no i i have one in my neighborhood that i've seen that cat does- yeah, you've seen that. Yeah, cat. I've seen and, that. Uh, cat. I was on a picnic recently, and it kept coming up to me, and I was like, "It's COVID, motherfucker! Back <laughs> off!" <laughs> so he kept trying to come up to me, and I was like, "No, you're adorable, but stay away." Dude, the cats are really sweet in Seattle. If there, if you got a street cat out there, say hi. They like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, he picks up this cat, and he says he does his uh, 
So was it which Looney Tune said Putty Tat? I I thought I saw Putty Tat. That's Tweety Bird. That's a, yeah, Tweety Bird. So he does that. He's he like, keeps he going to Putty. Yeah, you want to draw a Putty Tat? <laughs> I used to have a Putty so, like you. It's it's cute the way he's talking. Yeah, cat. he's good with he's good with animals and kids. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think he's probably a really great guy. You know, he's probably really good with animals. Is Treat Williams? I bet he's just like you him with a dog, like just. The dog just stays by him the whole time. He actually probably has a thousand pictures of just him with his dog standing next to him. Oh yeah, no, he's he's got a thousand dogs, and he probably has a horse that can do a backflip on command. Yeah, he's got like a really good relationship with a horse. The other person I think is uh, Vigo Mortensen, because uh, apparently he uh, he ended up get like uh, having a good relationship with the horse that he was using on set, and he ended up bonding so much with the horse that he ended up buying the horse after production was over and kept him. Wow, yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh wait, don't worry. We'll uh, we will cross that bridge when we come to it. That's gonna be <laughs> a long month. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it for you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. Oh my god, this cat is so cute, and uh, he brings it in, and <laughs> he's he's rooting through the fridge, like trying to look for food for it. And he's like, "Oh, good, look, two week old oysters." <laughs> and he's like, "I used to have a putty tat just like you, just like except you. my wife sneezes, so I couldn't keep him." And I was uh, like, "That's a fun- that's a nice line to keep in there." Actually, it's like it hints to the tensions, maybe. Also, when I saw the cat come into the come into play, I'm like, "This cat's dead, obviously." Like this is oh, yeah. Yeah. It's the, so it's so cute and friendly looking. They 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 cast that cat to look like that on purpose. Where it's like that that cat is a is a featherweight cat to a heavyweight rat. This, <laughs> is, the, <laughs> this is the private investigator in Cape Fear. Like this guy is not going to make it. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's, yeah, he, he's the, we also have uh, so, like I think he's still kind of working around the house now, but he's getting more strung out. Uh, he's drinking quite a bit. He's not picking up after himself. He's hitting the J and B hard, and I, I know exactly what which scotch it is. It's also like the Jim Beam of scotch. It's not very good. Um, they've got the label turned just enough so you can see the J. I I like that. I like when we don't show the whole label, and we don't have like an off brand knockoff like the cigarettes and X Files, uh, like <laughs> Morley's or something like that. It's like it's Marlboro. But yeah, I, I just the product. It's not product placement. It's just product nods. Okay, uh, actually, that was a question I was going to have for you. Is like, what is he drinking? Because uh, yeah, at this point in the movie, he starts drinking heavily. J and B scotch. Okay, right, so yeah, he's drinking and he starts talking to the rat and uh, he throws some cowboy shit out there. The major dilemma here is that this town ain't big enough for the both of us. Mm-hmm. And he <laughs> he even throws a listen. I've been to college. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that, that's the perfect argument with a fucking rat. See, I thought he was quoting another movie for a second because he starts off with this town ain't big enough for the two of us. I'm like, is this from like a movie? Is this from a Western? I'm like, wait, they didn't go to college in Westerns. <laughs> you get shot for going to college in a Western. <laughs> it's... Yeah, I was going to say, back to Tombstone, it's like, they're like, wow, he's the prettiest man I've ever seen. I'm like, guys, eh. I guess we're not really progressive here, are we, huh? <laughs> no, not nearly. Um, <laughs> but we get the first dream sequence in this movie. Um, the rat birthday cake. <laughs> yeah, you want to walk us through this, Kyle? This was, this, I had fun with this. <laughs> See, this was good because I actually didn't realize this was a dream sequence until your very 
it's very clear that it's a dream sequence. I think that's how it's meant to be, and it it was pretty effective. (laughs) Yeah, his uh, wife comes back in to, you know, show some skin, obviously. Uh, She, I was kind of, like, taking a note here. I'm like, oh, he's hitting the J&B. I'm like, wait, he's making out with his wife. What happened? Is she back already? Was he in the bathtub, I think? During this scene, is he laying in the bed? No, that, that's the second dream sequence. The second dream, dream sequence. So this is just the rat birthday cake. Yeah. So you go ahead. I was thinking of the other one. Okay, so, yeah. He's hitting the bottle pretty hard. And then uh, we get the sequence where the camera pushes through the ceiling. And it, it at first it's not apparent that it's a dream sequence. But basically his wife and some kids are in the kitchen and they're singing happy birthday and if i remember right there's maybe a bit of like soft focus on the on the camera so it gives you a hint that this is a dream and then in the middle of singing happy birthday a fucking rat puppet pops out of the center of the birthday cake and all the kids start crying (laughs) and then we cut to uh, peter weller and his mouth is agape and he's like sitting upright in his son's bed um, and then the camera just like rotates around the whole living space. And it's just like this delirious shot where it's like, oh, fuck. I don't know if he slept at all. Like, like I, don't even, I don't even know if he knows how he got into his son's bed. See, the thing is, is like he's acting like he hasn't slept, but he doesn't necessarily look like he hasn't slept. Like, I think, well, I mean, there's a couple of instances like Daniel Day-Lewis, I think uh, in the name of the father, I don't know, he plays an, uh, an IRA member uh the Irish. he does that he he does that a lot he, uh <laughs> he does he stayed up i guess because they were like, like interrogating him and he was supposed to look like frantic and like strung out or whatever it was and he stayed up i think for a couple of days to do that scene so he was more like jittery uh and then the other one was charlie sheen doing ferris bueller's day off where he's in the police station he's like, yeah i stayed up all night so it looked like i was on cocaine but we're like eh <laughs> uh, really <laughs> really hmm. yeah. but yeah i think it would have been better if he would have done that if he would have you know stayed up for some of these shots like stayed up overnight a couple times and just made him look really like shit yeah yeah i, I agree like they do some subtle makeup on him but they could have gone a lot further with it mm. um but yeah i did like the detail of having uh books piled up against the door yeah like because just that like couple of millimeter gap between the floor and the the base of the the door like i guess he was fearful of the rat somehow getting oh they can them. absolutely get under that shit and then somehow um he he also like decided to put books on the uh, on the toilet seat as well <laughs> and i was like that's a nice detail it's like eh, you know once bitten blah 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 blah, blah. but um so we get a POV shot from within his mattress. And at this point, like he just keeps like fading in and out of consciousness. So he's in bed half asleep, but the TV's on. So he fell asleep working in bed. Um, and then we get a POV from inside his mattress. And uh, somehow the, the phone in his bedroom falls off the hook and it wakes him up. And then the fucking rat pounces on him. <laughs> it's like, it pounces on him through the bed. And my my initial reaction was, "Fuck that thing looked huge." Yeah. Um. That it gigantic because it like pounces on him from like across the room kind of, and it crosses in front of the camera. And it's just this big black mass that crosses in front of the camera. It's like Jesus Christ. <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, the rat runs between his legs and heads directly back into the basement. Uh, so it, it like jumped at him, but it didn't like take a piece out of him or anything. 
Uh, and then we get to see that he spent the entire night awake uh, with his his like Feet, knees yeah. clutched to his chest uh, in a chair uh, because he has the fear of this rat like coming at him from the floor. And he's also got a bat, so like he's freaking the fuck out. Um, then uh, we get the reveal of the cat. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a very good prop. Um, it's definitely a, a cheap it's looking really prop. It's really bad. Yeah, the props really. It's bad. really bad, but the reveal is fun because he he wakes up in the morning and he heads downstairs to the the kitchen. He opens the fridge and he pours himself some milk in the fridge door, so he doesn't even step away from the fridge. And then some blood drips into his glass of milk. And uh, he looks up, and the camera tilts up along with him, and he lets out his best pil- Peter Weller <laughs> as we see a mangled cat above him. How did he not see this cat? Because it's, like, hanging over the side <laughs> uh, quite a bit. I'm like, how did he not see this cat? It doesn't really matter. But, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the cat, like, bleeds into the milk. I'm like, uh, gross. Yeah, it's pretty icky, but it is a dead cat. And, I mean... You you bring that precious little fluff ball into your house to combat the biggest mm. rat that's ever ratted. I'm sorry, you're a murderer. You put that cat in a situation where he was not gonna <laughs> make it. That makes you a murderer. That makes you a murderer. But yeah, so I guess he he finally he calls the exterminator. He's just like, this I have to get it done. I guess he finally gets a hold of one, and he's like, get it done. And I guess he's gonna leave a check on the on the table. Like, come get it done. I'm I'm tired of this shit. Um, does anything happen at work or does he just come home in the evening <laughs> he uh, he has a funny exchange with his family on the phone from work so he he does fall asleep at the office with like his his chin in his palm um, so much so that his secretary is like you're in you're like in the, the more public area of the office yeah could could you not <laughs> um and everyone here knows you're working on the big project maybe do that in your office not in the boardroom <laughs> But uh, he calls his wife, and uh, they're at, like, a, a fancy dinner of some sort. And then he talks to his kid for, like, two seconds, and the kid hangs up on him. Yeah. Was <laughs> I was like, it's, a, it's it's what little kids do. Where he's like, oh, I'm, I'm doing fine, Dad. You should come out here. Click. <laughs> like, he's, it's perfect timing because, like, Peter Weller's character is so distraught and, like, needing this... He's needing that connection and that that support right now, but the kid, the kid doesn't get it. It'd be better if Phil Hartman was on the other line. I was like, oh yeah, she's in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> Pipe down in there. <laughs> oh, these cookies. <laughs> That's what Small Soldiers has been like. I don't know what it is. It's kind of a summary movie, and I'm like, I need some Phil Hartman and Kevin Dunn. I don't know that that you could have just kept putting them in movies. As neighbors, I would have kept watching that, like grumpy old men, except middle-aged men, <laughs> just arguing. No, I, yeah, that that movie's not great, but Phil Hartman, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, want to give it a rewatch. God damn it, Kyle! Now I have the theme music from that movie stuck in my head. There's something about that movie. It sucks, but you want to watch it. I don't know why. Well, it's also funny that, like, if you take two seconds to think about, like the the first Michael Bay Transformers movie is straight up just small soldiers yeah. so much but, so that kevin dunn is in but it. <laughs> people people don't talk about small soldiers though so it's like it's one of those things it's like i've seen this movie before yeah. <laughs> but but hollywood likes to pretend that i haven't <laughs> shut up <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um yeah, yeah peter he, weller heads home he gets his uh darling i'm home 
And like, well, he's really losing it. And I'm like, he looks like he's in a good mood. And that's why I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, because the exterminator. Yeah, he was. He's in a good mood because he, you know, probably placed fifty calls or whatever. He finally got an exterminator willing to help him out. Um, and then the keys of his piano start moving on their own. So it's plinky plunky on their own, and you you can just see his face just like. Blah. <laughs> yeah, he's not happy about that. So he runs over there and he slams it shut, and. Uh, yeah, he calls the exterminator like two seconds later to yell at the guy. So like, I don't even think the guy gets a hello out before he starts yelling at him. Mm-hmm. Um, but on, through the phone, we can hear that the guy's like, "Hey, I ain't get any fucking money. You you a payment up front, motherfucker." And uh, then the camera just kind of like glances over at the check that he laid out, and the rat tore it the fuck up and hit it somewhere. So the exterminator did come by, didn't get his payment, and just left. Mm. So he's. He's kind of in it on his own now. So he uh, he gets himself a bat, and he goes to sleep with the TV on again. And the rat sneaks under the sheets this time, so it's yeah. getting even closer to him. <laughs> it's getting even closer to him. And <laughs> he freaks out. He starts swinging at this rat, and he tries to bop it. And we get some of the best dialogue here. Because he's like, you want a war? I'll give you a war. But then the, the real icing on the cake, though, is he yells that, and he... He missed the rat, by the way. He tried to bop it with the bat. And he's just, like, laying in bed, and he kind of slouches a little bit. And under his breath, he just kind of says, Don't tell me I didn't hit you. I hit you. I did. I did. <laughs> it's like he turns into a little kid. Yeah. I mean, like, I've been I got that t- you. I got you. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> I've been that tired and frustrated where you're just like, Come on, please. Just, yeah, come on. Please. Just let me fucking kill you. Let me kill you. <laughs> I don't want to hurt you. I just want to bash your brains in. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the secretary comes by, and she takes her shoes and her coat off as she enters the house. So I guess she has keys? Um, yeah. And- I mean, that. I think that's kind of... At least that's what Mad Men told me, was that the assist, like the assistant was more of a hand... Like, it was a real job. Like, you went to training to be an assistant, not like that was the stepping stone to the next thing. And that's one of the things is that Don's assistant, like, ends up bringing him papers to his apartment. Spoiler alert, he bangs her. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, I guess it it must have been, I think it might have been not that abnormal. Like, it might have been normal at a time. I, I think you're right. I mean, even Batman Returns, like, Catwoman has pretty free reign to access the office after hours and stuff um she's not supposed to access the protected files but she does because she's a she's a smart cookie (laughs) we have a properly housebroken miss kyle (laughs) (laughs) well said um but yeah she comes in and we get some i i was wanting this to be the moment where it happens because we do get a close-up of her 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 bare feet basically she's only wearing stockings coming up the stairs and she comes within an inch of a a rat rat bear trap i was getting michael douglas 90s movies ptsd because i was looking at her outfit i'm like he is so gonna bang her right now but i'm like no no no, this isn't a michael douglas film uh (laughs) (laughs) it's not uh, that kind of movie (laughs) it's not that kind of movie this is different and i'm like he's not gonna bang her but i'm like that dress looks like it's easy to like i'm just saying like that that looks like an easy garment to rip off really quick. Yeah, this, this isn't a horny movie. It's a rat movie. <laughs> it's a rat <laughs> it's two different things. 
But uh, yeah, she nearly steps on a rat trap without ever seeing any of them around the house. Um, I was wanting so badly for her to step on one and like fall down the stairs or something. Like now we have a problem. Now we have serious problems, but uh, no, she doesn't. Um, and he tells her to go away. I by creepily letting her make her way down to the basement, and you get the reveal. Uh, like she's down in the basement, she can't find him, and he's just sitting there at the top of the stairs, and you just see his like shadow. I'm like, ooh, that's fucking creepy. And well, you want to? Yeah, he, he shuts the lights on her, and he's dressed like a SWAT member from Die Hard, with <laughs> with uh, shin guards and cleats on, from what I can gather. Yeah, he wears cleats throughout the rest of the film. I kind of like that detail. Yeah. Yeah. He's ready to fucking go. <laughs> stop on this thing. That's smart. Yeah. That's pretty smart. I pretty like smart. That. Um but yeah, uh, she's here. The reason why she came to the house in the first place is because the angry exterminator who is expecting payment called the office looking for him. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Some crazy guy called the office and he's like, Go away. Go I've away. got more important shit going on. <laughs> Um, and this time, I really like how they handled this. He he goes to the office, and uh, he's at the newsstand where we saw him the first time he went to work with the same lady and everything. And he's just staring up at his office building, and he just looks at her, and he just says, there just ain't enough hours in the day, Penny. Yeah, and he just day. doesn't even go into work today. He just he went, he went bothered to go there, didn't even go in. I was like, you know, I've been there a couple times in my life. I had a day where uh, I had class, and I only had like the one class that day. And I wasn't really, it wasn't a day where I particularly wanted to go to class, but I also wasn't feeling like skipping. But my friend uh, texted me, and he's like, hey, The Dark Knight just started on HBO. And it was, it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I'm not going to school today. <laughs> I turned back to watch it. Wow. That's enough. Yeah. Anyway, he uh, he heads home and we get, um, being as this director would go on to direct two Stallone movies, um, I think it's very fitting that we get a dueling training montage for just a couple seconds here, where Peter Weller goes home and he like puts on a, a leather vest and starts whacking balls against his wall. His wall. So he's like, oh, yeah. he's got a bat and he's like hitting baseballs against the wall. And then we immediately cut to a rat chewing on a power cord. Yeah. So it's it's like literally Rocky Four. It's it's Draco and Rocky like training opposite each other. The rat the rat's training its teeth and he's training his pitching arm and stuff. That's something that we learned was that rats' teeth never stop growing, so that's why they're constantly gnawing on stuff. I don't know if that's true. I'm gonna assume that it is. I learned that from the angry beavers. <laughs> They had an entire episode about that where it Damn. became fashionable for them to grow out their, their jaws. Interesting. Yeah. And then they it caused problems because apparently if, if a beaver's teeth grow out too long, it it coils and it goes through the brain. <laughs> in the okay. logic of the cartoon. Oh, in the logic of the cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, we have dueling training montages. Uh, and then the power goes out while he is working in bed that night. Um, and he heads downstairs to, you know, check the breaker or whatever. And holy shit, this rat fucks him up. Yeah. Royally. Rat attack. 
oh my god, he gets he gets messed up by this rat. Yeah, like Adrian Brody, like running after the predator at the end of Predators, just like like going by. Yeah, it, this is Bill the Butcher in the Mist. Yeah. <laughs> that was a better reference. Thank you, Bill the Butcher. <laughs> um, yeah, this rat takes it makes several passes on him. It tears him up front and back, and all the while, <laughs> but. Um, this is where we get my favorite shot of the rat in this movie, where he does get up the stairs, and like Kyle had said, he's wearing his shin guards and cleats, and I think he has a bat with him at all times now in the house. And uh, what this shot is, is it's just a flat shot of the basement door, and he, he crawls up towards us, and then he slams the door behind him. Um, but just as he's doing it, uh, the rat gets up to the door, and he slams the door in its face. So just like for... A, one beat you get to see the silhouette of this thing and it's it has glowing eyes which it's a neat effect mm-hmm. um but just to see the size of it at a distance it's like literally like my my note here says that that's a raccoon yeah. <laughs> like, like that is a big raccoon not a rat and it it's one of those instances where it's it's very much like jaws where sometimes it's better that you don't see yeah. too much of it um but I love that image. It, it worked really well in that instant. But now that the power's out, we light the whole house with candles, so the house looks like a meatloaf music video now. And Directed uh, by Michael Bay. Directed by Michael Bay. Better movie, maybe? <laughs> a rat attack movie directed by Michael Bay? <laughs> mm, I, wanted, I think that uh, Guillermo would do a good rat attack movie. Rat attack? Rat attack. Rat attack. Rat tattooey. Well, I mean, Ratata, I believe, is the the Pokemon, uh, the Pokemon mm. Ratata, the movie. <laughs> but um, anyway, Peter Waller goes to work this time, uh, and he intercepts Frank Langella in the in the office lobby, and his hair is all greasy, and he's got bad stubble. Um, but it's like that bad stubble where it looks like it was done with like a sharpie or something. Mm-hmm. It's like it looks like a hobo stubble. in like a 1930s film. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Peter Weller actually can grow facial hair, so they probably had to help him out. I've never. Seen I don't think I've ever hair. seen him with facial no. hair. Not even a mustache or even an inkling of it. But um, he tries to make it known to his boss that he does have issues at home, and they do take precedence. But I'll 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 get my shit done. You'll see. And his boss is very clearly skeptical. He's got skeptical hippo eyes about that. But uh, he's just letting him know that it's like, you know, you might not see me for a while, but I'm a good employee. I'll get it done. Um, and curiously, he, on his way back home from the office, he leaves a message for his wife from a payphone. Mm-hmm. He's like, couldn't wait? <laughs> like, you have a... Well, I guess if the power's out at his house, then yeah, he can't. Makes sense. Yeah, uh, not, yeah. And in fact, the very next moment in the movie is him restoring power to the house. Um, and we get a grisly injury. Um, so when he's in the basement, uh, he put a rat bear trap in the miniature house, in the basement of his own house. Uh, so he's checking all the traps and probably wanting to reshuffle them or something. And he's looking for it. He's like fiddling around in the miniature house. And we all know what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. And when it does, great acting. Um, oh, my God. It's his, his reaction. His yell's a little funny. Uh, I like it's not that, Kyle. And maybe maybe we have different thoughts when it comes to expressions of pain and, on film. But I like what precedes the scream. Because mm. he, 
uh, it's the fact that he doesn't scream at the moment the trap closes on his hand. He just he just oh uh, he just like goes into shock and he crumples into a little ball on the floor and, and again just like when he's swinging the bat at the rat it's like watching a little kid mm-hmm. like like hurt really badly he's just like oh and then he goes it it reminded me of dustin hoffman screaming in sphere for some reason i don't know why i wish i could imitate that but that is impossible that is trying to talk like bobcat goldthwaite you just can't do it i mean you can imitate it but yeah it's not the same not even close dustin hoffman screams that that is pure animalistic fury (laughs) I don't. I, there's nothing like it. I've never. It's like Arnold screaming in Predator. It's just like there's nothing like it. It only he can do it. <laughs> no, Dustin Hoffman, I think, has the most blood curdling scream in the history of film. I was rewatching Predator one day, and I told my brother, "I'm like, I'm watching Predator right now." He's like, and I was like, I I send him a clip of that scream, and he's like, "Yeah, that's my alarm." I'm like, "What?" He's like, "It's been my alarm for years." I was like, oh, you the- wake. <gasps> And I'm like, this is brilliant. It's brilliant. It it started to be mine for a little while. And then Steph uh, was like, yeah, you got to change that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I could see that. Um, But what happens is it happens right when he inhales. And you're like, oh, shit. (laughs) You're trying to get to it before it goes off. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's like your warning. It's like, this is going to get bad. You're going fast, dude. You need Doc Holiday on this thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, he has a rat bear trap close on his palm, and it's awful. Like, And his reaction to it, I thought, was really genuine and just pure and awful. And we get a nice overhead shot following him into his bathroom as he just like scrambles to address the problem as best as a guy who seems very ill-equipped to do so can um and he he goes for the hydrogen peroxide Mm -hmm. a dad's best friend (laughs) i don't know if it's all dads or just dads of a certain generation it had its moment it definitely had its moment at least as far back as my dad's age group hydrogen peroxide man it's dad's best friend that and duct tape my mom my mom was the hydrogen peroxide person gotcha so yeah, the the good old brown bottle. Um, he pours that all over his hand, and he does what I think I would probably end up doing as well. Uh, he turns on the tub, and just gets in, clothes on, just I'm, hops in the tub. I mean, a little dangerous, especially. I mean, I mean, he does get his hand. He's bleeding pretty good. And if you jump in the tub, like it's gonna increase your pulse a little bit. It's gonna make you bleed <laughs> a little bit more. Like I'd be dying. I, I just like the detail of him not taking his clothes off at all yeah. just like getting, in, getting there. in there and then he has all the booze <laughs> like yeah, he drinks all the booze thinning your blood and keeping you keeping the the wound from closing too <laughs> well like i said as well as a man that's probably ill-equipped to handle the situation can he's learned- fighting steven seagal kyle yeah. it's a very uphill battle <laughs> no this is like he he is like Hans Gruber in this movie. Like he's dealing with John McClane right now. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. And you know, Wesley Snipes is probably looking in through the window, being like, "Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill." <laughs> <laughs> then he just walks off into the night to kill some more Canadian vampires. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, he has all the booze, and uh, we have a nice lighting transition to show a passage of time as he passes out in the tub. 
Um, and then we get the second dream sequence, Kyle. I was, this what I thought was weird because I'm like, this seems like, oh, she's home. Like the way it plays out, it seems like his wife actually came home and he's just exhausted. And um, they're about to bang. It's about to happen. Yeah. Uh, he kisses on, uh, is this a titty movie or a breast? <sighs> you know, the way it's done, Trevor, um, I'm going to call this a breast movie. Okay, he, he kisses her breastesses, mm-hmm. um, and uh, all the while we we keep repeatedly cutting to the kitchen where the audio is bad, and uh, Danny Torrance is pouring himself a lovely dish of milk and rat poison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, we we things start to escalate upstairs. The breastesses start to get fondled on top of being kissed, um, and then a rat falls on her back. <laughs> perhaps mid-coitus and starts scratching her and then uh also his son is downstairs drinking the rat milk and rat poison yeah. <laughs> it's pretty great but he snaps awake in the in the tub and it was in fact a dream unfortunately i think that would have been great that's like stuff like that makes me think of uh thinner a little bit it's like this is oh thinner's terrible but it's it's good bad <laughs> uh joe montagna is fantastic in it um you may not know. And, I always get, I always, him and Armand Asante, I get mixed up just visually. I'm like, is it, when I see Joe Montaigne, I think um, Armand Asante. I'm like, no, that's the other guy. I think Joe Montaigne is more conventionally handsome, mm. but Armand Asante is, he's got that mystique. He's mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> but, he's an American gangster. I didn't even realize until I was looking at his filmography. I'm like, who the fuck was he an American gangster? He's the dude that he goes shooting with and gives him the cigar. I, I have a special appreciation for Armand Dasante. He's uh, a he's... dread. <laughs> um, but Joe Montana um, may not be as familiar to you, um, but to people who have watched The Simpsons, he's the voice of Fat Tony. Um, mm. Anyway, he plays a mobster in Thinner, and he's having a ball doing it. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so after the stream sequence, I. He gets attacked by the rat in the in the tub. It jumps at him. It doesn't take a piece out of him, but it jumps at him again. So it's just harassing him. Um, and we get this fun scene where he runs from the tub into his bedroom and he hops into a hammock. Yeah, that I like he, the that hammock. he that, yeah that he installed above his bed off camera. So so he's taken it that far that he, he's put a hammock in the room because he doesn't want to be at, at ground level. Um. And then we get a sequence where his wife tries to, tries to call him from a Batman court. Um, but mid-call, the rat chews through the phone line. So he's totally isolated now. And uh, holy fuck, the rat claws through the ceiling above him in his hammock while he's trying to catch some Zs. And <laughs> this poor fucking guy. Um, meanwhile, at the office, uh, Frank Langella uh, tells his secretary that Peter Weller now has two additional weeks to complete his assignment. Uh, so she's ecstatic because she cares way too much for her boss. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she comes running, and uh, we see that the handyman is, like, overhearing this whole conversation because she's, like, trying to get Peter Weller's attention from outside and stuff. And uh, we see that he uh, he doesn't invite her in, by the way. <laughs> he has greased his hair and gotten himself a leather vest and he is fashioning himself a bat with nails and rat bear traps embedded in it. Yeah, he is becoming uh, the rat king. 
as uh, <laughs> he's uh, becoming Willem Dafoe in Streets of Fire with a bat. <laughs> um, no singing though. But uh, the handyman lets himself in, and we have this interesting moment where the two of them just like give each other a look, and Peter Weller just does not give a fuck. He's like, "Oh, you broke into my house." whatever (laughs) you're not the rat so i don't care and there's no words exchanged the guy just looks gives him a look and just kind of nods like isn't the moon wonderful (laughs) (laughs) oh kyle i'm I'm having having trouble trouble. (laughs) (laughs) that would have been perfect yeah he's like brandishing the bat (laughs) man yeah that would have been part. If you just switch around the like, because this came out what seven years before RoboCop two. So yeah, man, missed opportunity. Yeah, just like have have somebody walk in the room, look him up and down. And he's like brandishing the bat, and he just, I'm having trouble. trouble. <laughs> and end <and> scene. <laughs> uh, but, I've already got yeah. queued up. I want to watch that clip here in a minute. Once we once we finish up. <laughs> I mean, this kind of is like the, this. This last sequence is the end of the movie, and it's hard to follow because it's the Leviathan just rapid editing through here. Well, I, I think that's, I think we're at a point in this movie where it's like the the choreography with the rat can't be terribly complex because the rat props garbage, and this is supposed to be like I think just catharsis, like it's it's just him like destroying his house <laughs> and going for this rat it's it's very straightforward and we can just kind of breeze through it but um he turns into uh, i called him uh weller p whirl electro man which is a reference to uh ernest goes to jail mm-hmm. um, so the rat he, king he... the rat king is referenced to it's always sunny in philadelphia where charlie has this exact same bat basically oh really yeah might have um, been influenced by this who knows I would not be surprised at all. Um, I don't actually, I mean, I don't have much familiarity with uh, It's Always Sunny, but um, whenever I hear Rat King, I, of course, think of Ninja Turtles. Ah. Then we get a we get a bit where, so he's all suited up. This, this is roughly equivalent to uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, m- mudded up and, you know, geared up and ready to go for the finale with the Predator. Yeah. Uh, so he has his kit together, and we get a bunch of close-ups of his face, like, listening for the rat. And we get to see some interesting Peter Weller lip acting, where he's just kind of, like, like, pursing his lips, and he's, like, using his ears to find the rat. Because he's, he's, like, become one with the rat now. He's, like, he's tangled with this rat so many times. It's been on his mind for so long that he's, like, he's, like, part rat now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but with a bat. So superior to rat. <laughs> so he uh he gets smashing. <laughs> this is essentially this is roughly ten minutes of just Peter Weller smashing this house. Yeah. Uh, so he starts in the basement and he smashes some water pipes, which starts flooding the basement. He smashes the kitchen. He smashes the bedroom. And there's a nice bit where the rat falls through the ceiling, because <laughs> it like flees up into the ceiling to escape his smashing. And it, like, falls through the ceiling because he smashes it. Well, I mean, um, it's like Danny DeVito in a rat costume. Like, this thing is enormous. Yeah, no, th- this thing, like, it would be the kind of situation where it's, like, if this rat was on, like, a stairway banister or something, it would, like, either creak or break. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, I know you're a rat and you think you can do that, but you're not that kind of rat, man. <laughs> Sorry, that I was, like... Danny DeVito in a rat suit. I'm going to send you a, a little stand-up bit by Patton Oswalt 
that's where I, I was like, I, that's where I heard that was Danny DeVito in a rat suit. He has a story about seeing, a, again, 4th of July, seeing a rat at his house and having an exchange with his wife about the rat. Uh, it's very funny, and I'm going to send it to you, and I think you'll really enjoy it. But thank you. I generally like Patton Oswalt. Very like, much like Patton Oswalt. Yeah, yeah, he's great. So I would very much like to hear that. But uh, back to smashing. Yeah. So. Uh, the rat ends up on his back for a second when he's in the stairwell, and uh, like like Kyle had said, this is this is a man wrestling with a rubber prop. So Peter Weller's doing his best, um, but you know you can only do so much. Um, he manages to shrug it off and uh, you know smashes his piano. It's a pretty good bit where the rat actually goes inside the piano to try to escape him, and he he jumps on top of the piano and starts stomping with his cleats on top of the piano trying to get it this thing this seemed really dangerous by the way yeah it looked really dangerous legit like for, for in the movie i'm like i saw the haunting uh i don't think you're supposed to be fucking around with with pianos like those those strings can mess you up i would assume yeah i mean garrot wire <laughs> it's like it's it's a it's a steven seagal classic <laughs> I would say, speak, speaking of cape fear that's how fucking that's how the, the detective gets it yeah buford pusser <laughs> uh Anyway, uh, we head back to the basement, so we've been fighting for several minutes at this point. And the sticky the, bandits, the... the sticky bandits have been to this house. I'm sorry, the wet bandits have been to this house. This basement is flooding, like the Murphys. Oh yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Um, and the rat gets on his back again, and we have <laughs> one good. We have one good final tussle here, where it's, it's ripping into his back, and he's doing his. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really. Kyle's doing a face. <laughs> really want so. He does eventually vanquish this rat, and I wanted it to be. I'm like, oh, here we go. I perked up. I'm like, I want it to be Mel Gibson in the Patriot, <laughs> just like way too long, splattered blood all over his face. But unfortunately, no. It's it. He does beat the rat, but it almost didn't even seem like he did. I thought it was going to be like a double take where it's like he thought he got it, but then it comes back again to get him. I. Uh- yeah, so the way he does get this rat is it it makes a bad move and it flees into the uh, the scale model of the house. Mm-hmm. And he smashes the model around the rat and then he manages to get it with one of the nails in his bat and mm-hmm. sticks it. And I think he bashes it a couple extra times just, yeah. just to be sure, you know? <laughs> I, would have, I would have taken my day out on him. I mean, Kyle, like as a person who legitimately fears rats on some level, like the only option is to nuke the entire site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. I would have been, <laughs> I would have been like uh, the old guy from Boondock Saints when they come out of the house and he's just standing there with the six guns. Just dropping clips. Inglorious Bastards, Hitler. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah. no, I need him to be Chunky Salsa. It's like the Ma- only way to know. <laughs> like MacGruber, throw it off a cliff, piss on it, machine gun it down. <laughs> yes. Um, no, we don't get that. And... Uh, I want to say that this has to do with um, there's a lot of there's a lot of this in like animal attack movies um, where by the by the conclusion of these movies a lot of times you're almost meant to identify with the creature on some level like even Jaws the 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 head explodes on that shark but mm-hmm. John Williams's score and like the whale noises that play over it sinking to the depths you kind of like feel for it on some level hmm i'm trying to think of an, an and, example. and or- orca has a similar situation where 
you know, it's like you haven't seen. It. I'm gonna make you watch that, by the way. What? Orca. Oh, I thought you were talking about orcas in general. Sorry. No, no, no. But animal attack movies that sometimes is a thing where it's like you're meant to feel like a sense of like reverence or like just like some simpatico with the Godzilla ninety eight. Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> Fuck that noise. Fuck that David Arnold score. Okay. I'm sorry. David Arnold David Arnold is a fantastic composer, but motherfucker, I could not care less about that creature. David Arnold. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Arnold? Sidekick? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, no. That that's a perfect example of it. Where it's like, I'm sorry, like the the orchestra's telling me I'm supposed to fucking feel something for this radioactive marine iguana that doesn't spit fire, by the way. No. Fuck you. Fuck your lizard. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kyle Kyle peeled back a scab that hasn't quite healed over yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the rat's dead. And I did like that he has no celebration. Mm-mm. Like he kills it, he drops the bat, he stomps back into the house. That's it. <laughs> I would have just fallen asleep. I just would have just collapsed probably at this point. Yeah, uh, that would have been perfectly appropriate um, for the movie, even not just the not just the character. But um, so yeah, we get a quick series of shots of just surveying the carnage in the house. And it's like, yeah, that's a wrecked house, <laughs> and he did all of it. <laughs> but um, and then we immediately cut to outside, and his wife and son are unpacking the car. Like they're, she's halfway to the doorstep and he comes out and he's still in his rat killing outfit and he like just runs out and he's like, hug, like woman, hug now. <laughs> like, like, just like no yeah. questions. I need a um, and she's like, but what about the luggage? And he's like, fuck the luggage. Set the car on fire. I don't give a shit. Yeah. And then we, we end on a bizarre note where it's the exterior of the house as the credits come up. And then we have uh, some 80 yard lines of her asking bart what happened here and peter weller closes us out with i had a party <laughs> and then credits and you half expect like uh of of unknown origin the the folk song or something to come yeah. up over the credits <laughs> yeah and yeah that, that's the movie it's it's very simple but clearly we had some fun with it yeah it's like it's not very good but like i said it it there's a lot of details it moves quickly um i'm glad it's probably best that we don't get to see much of the rat but yeah i I had a good time with it and i liked it much better than buckaroo bonsai uh wow i'm kind of upset that we didn't get to watch naked lunch because i bought myself the criterion um release of naked lunch and i'm gonna get to that pretty soon um but i think i'm gonna end up watching the house that jack built because as you've said i've mentioned lars von trier like for the past month probably (laughs) Well, I mean, there's still time in the month for Naked Lunch if you want to close us out this 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 June. We probably could. Let's see what the, what the show. I mean, I th- I think that would be an appropriate finale oh, for yeah. appreciating Peter Weller. We do have the final. We have our final thirtieth. We could do that. So yeah, Naked Lunch has been on the docket yeah. since we started this event. So yeah, a Cronenberg a Cronenberg Criterion release. So I mean, I'm sure we'll have enough to say. So it better be fucking good. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, this was this was a fun one. I'm I'm glad I'm glad I finally checked it out because I've known about it for a long time, and this was a good excuse for me to you know check out both Peter Weller's filmography as well as uh, Mr. Cosmatos. Yes. Um. So that being said, uh, thank you so much for listening. Um. If you want to 
check out some of our other programming, uh, we do have a website. You can look us up at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, we also have a Twitter and an Instagram account at uh, Catching Cinema and Catching Up on Cinema, respectively. Uh, so yeah, if you want to hit me up there, I sometimes respond, sometimes I don't. But <laughs> either way, uh, feel free to reach out. Uh, that being said, uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Yep.